Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. How long are you willing to wait? As long as it takes. Uh, even if he, if he doesn't uh, come around to committing to a fair trial, keep those articles here. Uh, so keep it as long as it takes. Uh, if you know and he's told you what he's going to do, uh, it's almost like uh, let's give him a fair trial uh, and hang him. I mean, it's the verse of that. As long as it takes, are you willing yes. to hold the articles indefinitely if mitch mcconnell doesn't concede the points that you're asking him to are you suggesting it's possible you will never transmit the articles of impeachment if it were me yes that's what i'm saying and welcome back to flyover politic podcast it's the 27th of december year of our lord 2019 yeah yeah that that's not violent rhetoric mm-hmm no, but I had to start our show with it. And we'll get back to it again, because there's quite a few back-to-back sound bites that kind of show uh, this wasn't a solemn affair. And, you know, if for some reason, let me turn my ringer off, because for some reason I'm getting a million freaking texts this morning. Um, putting a bullseye on a congressional district is violence. That is the reason why America is having mass shootings. But saying you can hang somebody who's the POTUS, yeah. We'll see how far that goes when uh, there's a Democratic president. But anyway, happy two days after Christmas, folks. I planned on doing it yesterday, but the wife had the day off. And I decided to do a kind of a switcheroo. We're going to do a short politic one, followed by a news and social media nugget episode. I have so much stuff. I mean, people just sent me stuff. My wife sent me stuff. There's just stuff everywhere. So I'm going to crank out a podcast, and then what we'll do is Tuesday is Crack Day. It's always my favorite podcast because I've wasted three hours of my life trying to get a bottle of Percocet that, you know, I don't sell, I don't abuse, I'm not a pothead or a stoner, I don't do meth and all this stuff. But because people do all that shit, it takes me three hours. So I always come home and do a podcast uh, in the middle of the day. It's a different thing, and I'm usually more awake, and it's a lot of fun. So that will be our year in review. That will happen on the, uh, oh, what the hell day was it? The 31st, right? Yeah. Tuesday's the 31st? Yeah, 31st. So we'll, we'll definitely do a year on re- in review on the last day of 2019 as we go into 2020, which is just amazingly scary. I mean, it's been 20 years, September 11th, and... Or September 11th, I'm sorry. Since uh, the turn of the millennium, and i got to be quite honest, uh, I don't know where it went. You know, five of it was in the Army, and 15 was out uh, come September. So, anyway, to Christmas, I hope you had a great Christmas. We had a good one here. Mama did the uh, garlic pasta. Uh, It's a new dish she's been doing. No meat or anything in it. It's just garlicky on some angel hair with some uh, parmigiana. It's some olive oil. I just love it. Her um, world-famous lasagna and a nice side salad. 
Um, we ate at noon, and that's the only time I ate all day because it was just so good. Santa Claus surely hooked me up. I'm sitting here with a kick-ass red and black checked uh, trapper hat in the basement, even though it's been in the 60s. Our basement's still cool. And uh, we'll be back, and by the time I do the podcast on the 31st, I'll be down here in a snowmobile outfit and probably burning a fire because we'll be back in cold. Um, but somehow the weather changed, and on Christmas Day it was 65 degrees. Didn't have to put the air conditioning on, but it was pretty friggin' close. And uh, yesterday was even worse. It was 70. But uh, it'll turn around and we'll get better. But, yeah, I got my little trapper hat. Um, I got a great beard kit. A antique radio made by Vertrola, but it's brand new and it's just awesome. It does Bluetooth, AM, FM, and it matches our console Zenith uh, record player from the 60s that I just love. So that was a fantastic gift. So, you know, Santa really hooked me up this year. I got some good stuff. Even wearing my brand new camouflage performance wear Oregon Duck shirt. And during this, I did buy Christmas presents for myself, of course. I got um, two Oregon Duck uh, conference championship shirts. I, I got one, and then they sent a message that they sent the wrong one out. Somehow they had the wrong pattern, so the first 100 people are going to get two shirts. Uh, so I got the actual locker room shoot shirt sent to me. And by next week's podcast, I'll be wearing the North is Not Enough shirts. That's right. The Green Bay Packers on Monday pulled it off, and I am, like, totally in shock. I don't remember. I talked of it a lot in the last uh, podcast, but I am just in shock. I, I can't believe they literally won. In fact, I didn't because the last podcast was Sunday. So, um, excellent game, ground game, won it for us. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Aaron Rodgers, and yeah, I, I'm going to agree up front. I don't think he's the same player. I um. Said last year, I think it's very dangerous to hand a lot of money to a player after an injury, and you don't know how they're going to play. But that was his lowest QBR ever, 39. But if we go back to the days of Favre, and I want to talk about it just for a bit, then we'll get back to the show. There was a lot of games Favre only threw for 200 yards and a touchdown, and we went on the running game because it's cold, it's December, it's Lambeau Field, and if you want to win championships, it's defense and a running game. Both of those were on display, and even though my brother from another mother, Steve, in Georgia, I believe, but, you know, he's from Minnesota, so I don't know where he's at right now. Sometimes it's Georgia on his Facebook, sometimes Minnesota. Um, that was a crushing defeat for you, and I know it wasn't fair because you, you didn't have Dalvin Cook, and you didn't have your backup running back, and... Man, you guys were depleted, and it's not fair, but as long as we sweep Detroit on Sunday, we'll have swept the North, and we'll be the number two seed at the minimum, which is really important, because at least we'll get the divisional there. Those that are football people, you understand, that still gives me scared as fuck, because we did that one year when we were 15-1, and if we remember, and yeah, we got our asses kicked by the Giants, so sometimes taking the week off is good, sometimes it's not, so... Good to the Packers, wearing the shirt for the next podcast. It's shipped uh, today, so I'll have it by then. 
and I'll be sporting the North is Not Enough division shirt. It's going to break my usual thing. I don't put them on. If you think you got a Super Bowl run, that's kind of a curse to walk around in a division shirt when the division really doesn't matter. But being that we were six and nine and or six and ten and uh, nine and ten and or nine and uh, seven and just we've been fucking horrible. I I know we're not winning the Super Bowl. I'm going to wear my shirt. So let's get into the show. So this was a question from a CNN person. Uh, played it on the intro. I'm going to play it again. But I'm going to pair it with a uh, a beautiful wine and cheese plate for you. Kleinburn uh, saying we need to hang the President of the United States. There's been no outrage, no apologies, no nothing. And uh, Pelosi saying that everybody has a step, a little pep in their step post-impeachment, but it was a solemn event. This was a prayerful, constitutional, solemn event. How long are you willing to wait? As long as it takes. Uh, even if he, if he doesn't uh, come around to commit to a fair trial, keep those articles here. Uh, so keep it as long as it takes. Uh, if you know, and he's told you what he's going to do, uh, it's almost like... Uh, Let's give him a fair trial uh, and hang him. I mean, it's the verse of that. As long as it takes, are you willing yes. to hold the articles indefinitely? If Mitch McConnell doesn't concede the points that you're asking him to, are you suggesting it's possible you will never transmit the articles of impeachment? If it were me, yes, that's what I'm saying. We've been hearing from people all over the country in the last since last night and this morning seems like people have a spring in their steps because the president was held accountable for his reckless behavior. No one is above the law, and the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. No one is above the law, and the president has been held accountable. It really is interesting to see the response that we are getting bipartisan across party lines. I myself want to say I have a spring in my step because of the moral courage of our caucus. To see them all, so many of a hundred members, go to the floor, that's all that we had time for, uh, to go to the floor and speak about our Constitution, about the facts of the case, so clearly, so patriotically, so prayerfully, and so solemnly, but so definitely. Now, I want you to think during the age of Obama, of a Republican had said, rightly, in my my opinion, after Benghazi, where we let people just die on a roof, hey, um, what we need to do is have a trial, and all those that left those poor, brave Americans on a roof need to be tried and hung. Or for the pallets of cash... Or for telling the Russians directly on tape in front of the world, hey, well, after this election, I'll have a little more leeway. Well, we need to hang him. That's traitorous. I mean, that's the funniest thing about this whole thing, folks. Reset button. Let them do whatever the fuck they want during our election. And he was telling them we'll have more leeway. To give you what you want, Russia. And then we go through Russia, Russia, Russia. Are you serious? But as stated, I mean, for fuck's sake, we put a bullseye on a district 
And Sarah Palin was responsible for the Arizona shooting of Gabby Gifford. Do we remember, folks? I remember. I'm not an elephant, but I, I do remember these things. And it's bullshit. There has been no outrage. I want to do a live search right now. Clyburn says, hang president. Did House Majority Whip James say, hang him? Trump war room gins up outrage with hang him quote. Fact check. Trump falsely suggests representative, representative, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, I will not be intimidated by anybody. Clyburn, I'm not going to be intimidated. Right-wing media carrier Trump campaign smear. Don Jr. fights back against Clyburn, called to hang him. Let's give him a fair trial and hang him. Obvious, the obvious dishonesty, Trump campaign under fire for fault. Fact check. Trump campaign falsely suggests. So let's go to the Clyburn. Now, it could be me, but let's listen to it together, boys and girls. Uh, on live feed here, we're going to pull it back up, and here's Clyburn. What does he say? Computer's being a dick. Give it a second. How long are you willing to wait? As long as it takes. Uh, even if he, if he doesn't uh, come around to commit to a fair trial, keep those articles here. Uh, so keep it as long as it takes. Uh, if he know and he's told you what he's going to do, uh, it's almost like, uh, let's give him a fair trial uh, and hang him. I mean, it's the worst of that. As long as it takes. Are you with? Did, did you hear that? And hang him. Even if you twist yourself in a pretzel like Snopes does and the rest of the media, would a Republican get the benefit of the doubt? Well, that's not what he meant. Well, that's not what he's saying. No, no, they would not. Fuck to the hells to the no, they wouldn't. There's no way in fucking hell they get away with that crap. That is violent rhetoric. We're told that Trump is making people go out in the streets and kill gay people, transgender people, black people. It's just rampant. There are tiki torch motherfuckers everywhere. None of it's true, but that's what we say. His infamous, they're all rapists and murderers, never said it. They're still saying it. We have Katie Turr today talking about it. But the resistment, resistance, you know, it, it is still, you know, once again, you can, they can say whatever they want. They can say, fuck Trump. I mean, the whole violent left soundbite I do on this show is them screaming at a fucking hotel. They can be angry. They can be violent. They can beat people in fucking red hats. There's nothing wrong with that. But you or I say, fuck that motherfucker. Oh, you racist, sexist piece of shit. And then anyway, this is my favorite. There was a lot of this on the internet. Impeachment vote celebration dance was pathetic and had nothing to do on the impeachment celebration for Elizabeth C. McLaughlin, CEO of GAIA, Project for Women Leadership and Proud Resistance Feminists. 
My daughter just ran downstairs. Here we go. Another one of those my kids did something. Honey, while you're in the bath, Donald Trump was impeached. She cheered like a banshee. Now the trial. It's been a long past and she was scared to be on my shoulders during the Women's March because Donald Trump might grab me. Converting her terror to power and my son's tear on the election night at three-year-old to years of talk about masculinity and integrity and maintaining sensitivity and defending others has been among the most important work I'll ever do. Gah, ugly tears. Snopes didn't fact check this, but I, I call bullshit on 17 levels. And more importantly, this goes back to what I keep saying. If it is true, which we all know it's not, why do your kids know this shit at three? I mean, I had political opinions, though I was a soldier. And I got to admit, I didn't push those opinions at three at my kids. Rosie, still a sweet on as sweet on day two. Impotence, a picture of him with a red hat, Photoshop. WAPO, the Hill requested comment from Washington Post, is here's what they got. This is the infamous Mary Impeach Mass. A Washington Post spokesman told the Hill that Blade was off the clock and wasn't celebrating impeachment. The reporter who went out, sent out this ill-considered treat, was celebrating being off the clock after a long day covering the impeachment. The spokesman said she wasn't celebrating impeachment. Then why did you say Mary and Peach Mass? Why? Why would you say that if you didn't, you're not celebrating it? Why would you hashtag it? I mean, I'm just asking for a friend. Katie Turner has spoken. This is a journalist, supposedly. She covered the president for NBC News. It was weird sitting down with Donald Trump, a candidate nearly everyone called a joke back in 2015. It was unreal seeing him overcome scandal after scandal to get elected in 2016. It is depressing but not surprising watching him get impeached for abusing power. This is the first time, if you don't count, 2018 Donald Trump has suffered political consequences for his action. He faced none during the campaign, not for the Muslim ban. Uh, Obama did it. Sorry about that, chick. Not for the Access Hollywood tape. Not for 12-plus women who accused him of sex harassment or abuse. None of them found to be true. Not for calling Mexican crossing the border rapist. Didn't say it. Not for calling on Russian interference in the 26th election. He said, could you give me the 30,000 emails? That's what he said. Obama let it happen, but let's not have facts. Not for calling for his political opponent to be locked up. Oh, they're saying lock him up. You're good with that, Katie Turr. Not for protecting his campaign manager after he assaulted a reporter for denigrating a Gold Star family. Not for encouraging his supporters to punch protesters at rallies. What? He said that like twice because his pro- his supporters were getting beaten at that time and egged. You aired it, but you said it was his fault. Not for blatantly hawking his properties while campaigning. Not for accusing his opponent's father of helping kill JFK. Not for insulting the candidate's wife. Not for anything. And he hasn't faced any political consequences. He's been in office. Not for the Russian investigation. Because there was nothing there. Not for separating families and traumatizing children. Obama did it too. Not for revealing classified intelligence to Russians in the Oval Office. Not for profiting off the presidency. Not for filling his cabinet people abuse taxpayer money. Not for undermining American intel. Not for lying about dumb things like crowd size or big things like Obama wiretapping him. That's actually true, you bitch! You fucking bitch! I know the moment Keith Oberman put your, his penis in you, you lost your mind. They did wiretap him. He was actually true. Not for anything until now. 
Now for asking a four power to investigate 2020 political rival and debunking 2016 conspiracy theory, both of which could help him in 2020, and for refusing to cooperate whatsoever with congressional oversight, Donald Trump faces consequences. He's now only the third president of America is to be impeached. No matter what happens next, even if the Senate acquits him, even if he's reelected, he will forever have the asterisk next to his name. Boom! There's the punchline. That's the money shot. That's why they did it. It has nothing to do with anything. They know it's bullshit. There's congressional scholar after congressional. This is the weakest impeachment ever. It's based on nothing. They wanted the asterisk. And you know that by the sound bites. Todd, a cold war is going to start. Yeah, because your side, dickface. Snuffburger being a hypocrite. CNN hoping for more charges. Joy Reid. This is rich, man. Impeachment in the media is through Republican eyes. Hey! Get the fuck out of goddamn Krakasaurus are you smoking? This is the end of a decade that has been just hyper-partisan hyper-toxic, the toxic politics, the mix of social media, so you could make an argument that it was almost inevitable that our politics were going to end with 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 this kind of showdown uh, over impeachment. So in that sense, it it, it sadly feels like a uh, almost a predictable next step in this escalation of, 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 a, of a partisan war that that's, that now feels like it's 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 obviously gotten too overheated. To the point where at times it feels as if culturally we're in a cold civil war. Let's bring in White House Press Secretary Stephanie Grisham now. Stephanie, thank you for joining us this morning. We just heard President Trump overnight call this an eternal mark of shame for Democrats. But how concerned is he behind closed doors that impeachment will be an indelible mark on his record? Uh, thank you for having me. The president has said many times that this isn't something he necessarily wants on his resume, but it's been very clear from the start that this has been a very partisan impeachment, and history's just not going to look kindly on the Democrats led by Nancy Pelosi and Schumer and Nadler. Did anything change this week? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I think I hope changes, and that I think is more important because we've seen the Republicans stuck where they are, um, their illusions about um, Trump remain, and you're, you're right to describe it as a flat line. Here's what I hope that we understand, that the, the, the stakes here are immense. It's, just, it's not about the, just about the political future of one man, Donald Trump. It's about the future of democracy and democratic process. And, and, and this is a, a trend throughout the world. It's about... Uh, the future of the earth. We have a party that has decided to be disbelieving about climate change. Uh, it's about issues as essential as that. And right now you have a country that is split. And to the great frustration of people like you and, and people like me, we don't somehow understand. We don't understand why the, um, the evidence of things, why facts don't penetrate so many of our brothers and sisters in the United States of America. And this is a source of great uh, frustration hmm. for the press. For the press. And for, for anybody who's, who's thinking about these issues that are so important. First off, folks are going to say a second impeachment. Uh -huh. Are you serious? But what is this all about? 
It's really about precedent, right? For Congress, this is all about being able to get information that they believe they are entitled to. And in fact, some federal judges, and this is why this is now in the appeals process, have sided with Congress, uh, saying that the president is not immune from the scrutiny that members of Congress have put him now, uh, that he's under now because of the investigations uh, in Congress. So there are two things going on here. The first thing is is that the Judiciary Committee, which has been looking into uh, the entire Russia investigation, the also the obstruction of justice, the extension of the Mueller investigation, they still want the Don McGahn testimony. They still want Don McGahn to come in and testify. Obviously, for Don McGahn, uh, he doesn't want to do that. He's waiting to hear how the courts ultimately decide. But what makes him so important is that he was one of the most prominent witnesses in the entire Mueller investigation, certainly as it related to the obstruction issue. He spent 30 hours with Mueller. So there's a lot of information they think that he can provide. The other thing is that they want this information because they say that it could help them in their process, certainly in their impeachment, because of the, they say this shows that the president, uh, his past and previous uh, interactions, certainly when it comes to influence from foreign countries and also the obstruction issue. And so they're saying they need this information. This is all now obviously in the appeals courts. Uh, we'll see. They do say, Kate, as you point out, that Listen, if there's information that they can get uh, regarding McGahn that they can use uh, that could potentially lead to more uh, articles of impeachment, they would do that politically. I don't know if that's going to happen, but certainly uh, the lawyers for, the, for Congress are, are suggesting that that could possibly happen. As noted in a Daily Coast piece written by one of our next guests, many in the press are telling the story of Trump's impeachment through the eyes of the GOP. Every news cycle in D.C. starts with a simple premise. What are Republicans angry about? Like 30 years, every day, that's what it starts. And, and so if they're angry about impeachment, then that's a big deal. Then they're on the offensive. Democrats are always on their heels. Republicans worship, uh, the press worships Republican hardball. Mm -hmm. And they always see Dems as being outmaneuvered. The demographics of the media, that, that the relatability of Republicans, that they, they seem more relatable or they right. seem like middle America. And so the media gravitates toward the Republican base. Oh, first of all, it's dangerous to even present this right. through the lens of uh, politics, right? right? This is not Republicans versus Democrats. This is truth versus lies. This is patriotism versus traitors. This obsession with how did Trump, you know, interviewing uh, people at Trump rallies to ask how they thought about impeachment. Uh, this obsession, and it goes back to the day after he was inaugurated, this obsession with interviewing white Midwestern Trump voters and asking them what they think about Trump, it is a dangerous, it is a racist message because the message is white Republicans are who matter in this country. That's why we have this sort of attitude amongst many media people that this is bad, this is disruptive, because it breaks up the order. They don't believe in change. They don't believe in challenging the status quo of government. And that is what impeachment boils down to. I can play hours more. They're doing victory laps. Even, even fucking Hillary took a victory lap. The lady who can't get elected president because she's a shitty fucking candidate. Fuck them and the horses they ran in on. So, let's get on into some military corner to start off our news, social media nugget, podcast. Tonight. 
Today, we found out what West Point cadets and Naval Academy midshipmen were doing on live TV at Saturday's Army-Navy game. You may recall they were seen flashing an upside-down OK sign. The Anti-Defamation League and others consider that a white supremacist symbol. But investigators from both academies say the students were playing the circle game, not signaling racist views. So we have hours of all those racist motherfuckers. And then we find out it's exactly what everybody thought it was, a fucking circle game. Nobody has to apologize, just like Covington, for doxing these motherfuckers, showing their faces. They'll forever be linked to a bunch of bullshit. David French. This was painfully obvious from the beginning. What was more likely, cadets were up to speed on Twitter microcultures and were destroying their career lives on national TV? Or two, they were playing a common silly game. Julio Rosas is my favorite. Now the report concludes the non-hysterical people knew all along. Here's a threat of people media places smearing the cadets by jumping to conclusions. Uh, Jerry and Vetti did it. Uh, Zach Bernstein to, uh, let me get my glasses on. Sorry, I got like font like a mi- minus seven on this freaking shit. Uh, to people saying that's not white power symbol. It is. Uh, Donald will give them medals. Trump's America, Army, Navy game. Jerry Avanem. Bunch of cadets throwing up white power. USA Today students appear to make the white power. But racism is dying out with this generation, right? No, it's just passed down. Some of these tweets got thousands of retreats and likes of accusing our future military leaders of being white supremacists. It's shameful. Here's a viral video shows cadets flashing a news source. Uh, Koki Mary and Peach Mus. Oh my fucking God, will this end be at the point I'm sad? He literally moved his white power gesture to get in a frame. David Coy Johnson to the superintendents. Are you going to discipline these cadets midship of the flash white power? Video shows them time the racist hand signals so they appear on the Jumbotron. Sign on TV. He brought more people on. Tom Nichols, piece of shit. Cadets are stupid and don't know that okay is how racist troll people who don't know it's not racist, stupid and think it is racist, stupid and actual three percenters, stupid and playing a kid's game on national TV, common to all of this. Roger Wolf throwing white power signs at African-American cadets standing right in front of them and laughing about it. Is this behavior becoming a future officers of the military? Blink racism! Amy Siskind. I'm old enough to remember when those of us who called this out as white power symbol were castigated by the media. Some of you need to make public apologies for gaslighting us. Yeah. John Pavlis, Tom Watson, uh, the OK symbols seem everywhere from emojis to yoga, but there was one simple gesture, blah, blah, Hamad Ab, three separate cadets making the White power symbol on television. Wonder what the culture's like for the cadet in the front. There's no excuses. Ahmad Abedin again. Racist people are mad about my tweet because I called out racism that was displayed on national TV. Stop making excuses. Let's make them go viral. This happened on national TV. These two felt like it was okay. Last one for now, but this one is insane. New York Magazine included the Army-Navy game incident with actual hate crimes that occurred this year, including El Paso and Gilroy shootings. Completely irresponsible. 
at the end in November, as white supremacist group filmed a video outside Mississippi's Emmett Till Memorial. Nor this month as students flashed possible white power signs at the Army Navy football game. So a whole story on what they perceive as hate crimes, and those cadets are part of it. Wow. No, the the left never has to eat it. They never have to apologize. If this was the right, CNN would have every Republican on. Are you guys going to apologize for doxing those cadets? I mean, think about Empire, Jesse Smollett. No consequences for faking a hate crime. He's still a victim because of white people and shit. South Carolina Democrat calls cadet immature and apology for smearing them. Calls for sensitivity training. Mandy Powers Norrell issued a If you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. Mandy Powers Norrell issued apology on money smearing West Point cadets nearly two weeks ago when she falsely claimed that they were flashing white power signs during a college football game. In her apology, Norrell called the cadets immature and demanded there be sensitivity training at the service academies to educate the cadets because hand signals mean different things to different people. Norrell also attacked those who had called her out over a false statement of being Twitter trolls. Norrell had faced days of intense backlash online after she jumped on the leftist outrage train, accusing several cadets of flashing white power signs during the Army Navy football game. Military investigation, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Norrell's tweeted, three separate cadets making the white power symbol on television. One, oh, that's the one I just read. Wonder what the culture is like, the one on the right. I can't read who the fuck sent that. On December 15th, Norrell tweeted three more times about the incident, pushed back on those who told her the cadets were playing the circle game. Norrell tweeted, update. As this morning, West Point has issued a statement. It doesn't know the intentions. I hope they figure it out soon. The explanation given by many on Twitter today is that these cadets are either saying things are okay or playing the circle game where they can punch someone who looks at their upside down okay symbol. How it's a game, if they're on TV, can't see who looks, context, you're an idiot, you don't want to play them. Uh, 4chan hoaxers hope media will overact by condemning a common image as white supremacists. By 2019, at least some white supremacists seem to be abandoned the ironic intent and use the symbols as seer expression of she says, and like, cause they're talking, they're talking to so many people. Yeah, just so many. In her apology letter, which is addressed to Lieutenant General Daryl A. Williams and Vice Admiral Sean Buck, Noel wrote, I retweeted a post regarding the racially charged hand signal displayed by cadets and midshipmen. I publicly expressed my concern regarding the judgment and intent, as well as the environment of the two academies. I took down my Twitter post when I soon realized that the matter was becoming bigger and more volatile than circumstances seems to merit. I was pleased to see the findings of the academic investigation, showing that you young men conduct were merely immature and not intended to be malicious or racist. I have written letters to the young men expressing my regret for adding fuel to the firestorm and offered them encouragement as they continue their studies and career. I request that you forward these letters to them as they do not know their names. I hope they can learn from this moment, as I have, that words, gestures, and symbols matter and that many mean different things to different people. Also, I want to take the opportunity to earnestly apologize to your institution for using the words I use in public describing the environment surrounding the incident as potentially cruel and disrespectful to minority members of the service. Though my concerns are sincere, those words are typed in passion of the moment because I can say whatever I want because I'm a Democrat. Norrell wanted to claim that the reason she assumed the cadets were flashing white power signs was because she has always held her men and women in uniform to a higher standard of conduct. Ironically, I now apologize to you and your institution for me not being more mindful of those same character traits within myself when choosing words to post on social media. And nothing is gone to happen to 
Yeah. So while this is going on, U.S. service member killed in Afghanistan, according to military officials, resolute support in U.S. forces of Afghanistan, provide no other details around the deaths of a U.S. service member. Then we find out it's Army Special Operations Command sent a statement. Pentagon officials said the incident is under investigation. A Goebel was a senior intelligence sergeant assigned to Charlie Company, 1st Battalion, 7th Special Forces Group, which is based out of Eglin Air Force Base in Florida. This was his third deployment to Afghanistan, in addition to deployment to Argentina, Guatemala, Colombia, and South Korea. So you understand, 2,300 U.S. troops killed in Afghanistan did not die in vain, Joint Chiefs Staff says. And he puts out a letter. We keep fighting and losing people. And what does the Demo- what do the Democrats care about? Transgender rights and hand signals. That's going to be your commander-in-chief. Somebody like that. They're not going to care about the wars. They're just going to pull us out. It's going to turn into shithole all over again. That fucking terrorist up the wazoo. They don't care about that. They don't care about the sacrifice these guys are going to have to do. They don't give a fuck. They, low skill set, man. If you're in the military, you have low skill set. You are not a good person. You weren't good enough to go to our schools. Be all liberal art and shit. Then our last army military corner stuff. Historic data on military suicide shows no clear link with combat operations. Very interesting study that broke down how most of the suicides, they weren't people who were in the shit. Which is something I've always kind of questioned watching it. You know, a lot of guys that kill themselves, they they weren't in the shit. So I always wonder what the fuck. So they say there were spikes around, you know, military operations. But it, they can't correlate the majority to people who saw combat. And I was wrong. There's two other things. Pentagon ordered to add blast exposure to troops' medical histories. Finally, if you were in a blast by an IED... It will now be linked to your file, regardless if you got injured or not. That will help so many people later on in life when they may have TBI. They may have issues. Because if you were in near explosions like me, none of that's in my record. The only way that was going to get my record is if I literally got hit by the mortars. Just being near them doesn't get you shit. And then lastly... U.S. sent four spy planes to Korean Peninsula after Kim's Christmas gift threat report says. They were an uh, RC-135 River Joint, E-8C, an RQ-4 Global Hark, and an RC-135S Cobra Ball. I don't even know what the hell that plane is. Let's click on it. What the fuck is that plane? I know the River Joint, but I don't know what a Cobra Ball is. The Cobra Ball, uh, power plant, blah, 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 mission, flight crew minimum three, electronic warfare, two airborne. The RC Cobra Ball flies joint chiefs of staff directed missions of national priority to collect optical and electrical data on ballistic targets. Hmm. Well, we just found out what a Cobra Ball is. That's pretty fucking cool, if you ask me. A little Cobra Ball action. Yeah. 
That's what I'm talking about. So, let's take our first music break. We're going to do Old Anxiety because eh, I like the song. And we'll come into College Crazy. We're going to have two sound bites. Number one, students, of course, saying they only like Happy Holidays. And then a student who got assaulted by a teacher in high school because she supported Trump. This was not national news for some reason. If it was the opposite and it's because she hated Trump, oh my God, they'd be on CNN every five seconds. To my big brother George, the richest man in town. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Chestnuts Reed. roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols. Were you trying to get crazy with this, see? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Hey guys, it's Josh Amanoff here with Campus Reform, and today I'm here at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey, asking students if they think it's offensive to say Merry Christmas. Do you think it's offensive to say Merry Christmas? Um, sometimes. I guess it depends on the moment. Uh, no, not necessarily offensive. I think everyone has their own preference. If someone says Merry Christmas to me, I'm not Christian, but I just say it back because I think it's so much more a commercial holiday at this point. Um, I personally believe that saying Merry Christmas isn't offensive, but I think saying Happy Holidays is a way more inclusive way to incorporate all the different holidays. So I personally say Happy Holidays. I think it's kind of weird just to say Merry Christmas. There's so many religions and practices that saying Merry Christmas may be a little too close, but Happy Holidays is fine. I personally celebrate Christmas, but I do think that saying Happy Holidays is more inclusive for everyone. Do you think it's offensive to say Merry Christmas? 
Not at all. I've been saying Merry Christmas my whole life, and I intend to until the day I die. It is more inclusive to say Happy Holidays, so... It's just saying Merry Christmas is just, it's like, just like a greeting, you know? There's no problem with saying Merry Christmas at all. I don't think it's offensive, because, like, Christmas is a thing. But, like, I would say Happy Holidays normally just to be, like, inclusive or whatnot. No, I'm not a fan at all. I'm an atheist, too, and that doesn't offend me whatsoever. Most people in this country are Christian, therefore... Why would it be bad to say Merry Christmas? Because most people are Christian, therefore it's pretty safe to assume most people celebrate it. People are allowed to practice religious freedom. If a professor, let's say, or a student in class were to say Merry Christmas to you or to someone else, do you think that should be allowed? Do you think that's wrong? Should Maybe shouldn't be my opinion because I am part of the majority, so it's not really offensive when someone says Merry Christmas to me because I celebrate Christmas. But if other people have those feelings, I'm sure they have reasons to feel that way. So maybe to them it is non-inclusive and true. If I was a professor, personally, I would just say happy holidays, merry Christmas. I would probably list all of them. I don't know. Just to be inclusive. <laughs> yeah, I agree. If they want to say merry Christmas, they can, or happy holidays. I think saying happy, happy holidays in general is just easier to, you know, less scrutiny and just more general. I think it's better. Do you think teachers should be required to maybe say happy holidays instead? I think they should say both. I think they, if they personally celebrate Christmas, they can say, I, Merry Christmas, like this is how I'm celebrating, and then also just add happy holidays to make sure all the students feel included. It may be more inclusive and more thoughtful to say happy holidays instead. For sure you want to be inclusive, but I also don't think like saying Merry Christmas, like you probably shouldn't immediately get offended, but also like I definitely agree that it's better to be inclusive than to be not inclusive. I don't think it hurts to uh, include everyone. I don't think it's a bad thing. Inclusiveness is never wrong. So how would you feel if schools were open on Christmas? Would you be okay with going to school? Um, hmm. This is tough. Maybe in addition to having Christmas off, we should have other holidays off. Like, um, I know for a lot of Jewish holidays, they don't get we don't get off for college campuses. We also don't get off for a lot of um, Islamic holidays as well. Do you guys celebrate Christmas? Uh, I mean, we, like, give gifts to each other, but... We don't really do like any religious stuff. It's more, we call it secret uh, snowmen. Would you guys be okay with going to school on Christmas if school stayed open? No. no Would be okay with it? Uh, never. Never. Mind. Well, I mean, I'm so used to not going to school on Christmas, so I think that would be the primary factor. A 16-year-old girl named Sadie was allegedly assaulted by her high school teacher when the teacher tried to rip a Women for Trump button off the student's shirts because the teacher disagreed with the high school girl's politics. Take a look at this. Good evening. A high school student in Mason turns to the police claiming a teacher assaulted her during school hours. She claims it happened because she supports President Donald Trump. News 10's Rachel Sweet is here now with details. Sadie Eargood told me a teacher assaulted her when he ripped her Women for Trump pin off her chest. I was just... I was really shocked that a teacher especially would do that. 16-year-old Sadie Eargood says the teacher started it by saying he didn't like the pin she was wearing. And he's talking about the Women for Trump pin. And I said, that's fine. You don't have to like it. We, we can have our opinions. Eargood says after that, he tried to take the pin from her. And he grabbed it and he pulled. And I tried to push his hand away. And he grabbed my shoulder and just kind of put his hand there and then started pulling more and more and I just started backing up. Eargood says the teacher took the pin off her shirt and put it on his own upside down, stating that it belonged that way. And where's the outrage from the Democrats about this? Where are the feminists standing up for this girl who was assaulted by a grown man because she dared to think for herself? Oh, the radical leftist feminist will fight for a 16-year-old illegal alien to be allowed to kill her unborn baby. 
But when a 16-year-old high school girl is physically assaulted by a man, the left is silent because this young woman is conservative. What happened to my body, my choice? What happened to give space to women's opinions at the table? What happened to defeating the controlling patriarchy? What happened to respecting women? Here's the thing. The radical left claims to stand up for women, but they don't. Because unless you shout your abortion, unless you hate men, glorify promiscuity, whine about your salary, and march angrily in a pink hat and parrot the radical feminist ideology, the radical left will not stand up for you. And if you dare to be a woman who is pro-life, pro-gun, pro-border security, if you're an unborn woman, a Christian, conservative, Republican woman, or if you're a woman who voted for President Trump, then the radical left claims you aren't even a real woman. And so when a grown man bullies and assaults a 16-year-old girl because she dares to support President Trump, well, the left couldn't care less about standing up for your rights. Yeah, I know somewhere somebody said, well, that's nitpicky. That's just so nitpicky. He just took a button off. Let that been an African-American woman. A liberal woman. A PPFA representative. A transgender. Assault is putting your hand on somebody. Period. We have our gay shit today that was going to blow your fucking mind on what the left believes is a hate crime. And what you can and cannot burn. Send me on my way. Students study drugs, demons, and dancing at UVM's first week. Students at the University of Vermont attended their final class of the semester for a new course titled Drugs, Demons, and Dancing, which has encouraged students to consider the relationship between religion, psychedelic drugs, and dancing. In an article published by the University of Vermont highlighting this course, the university explains that theater and dance professor Paul Besaw Religion professor Vicki Brennan and psychology professor John Hammock providing students with a creative outlook on humanity through artistic, humanistic, and religious perspectives. The course description boasts that students enroll in the course addressing such questions as, How do psychedelics work? What does it mean to have an out-of-body experience or to lose yourself while dancing? Religious mystics use their bodies to communicate with spirits. Don't even know what to fucking say. And that's our only college story. I know. I'm robbing you today. It kind of sucks. But all my stories are the best ofs. And it'll be on the next podcast. Which brings us to gay shit. Back-to-back soundbite. Uh, The L word. Lesbian minister claims she is sexually open relationship with Jesus. Yeah, I just read that. And the aforementioned... Hard to believe it fucking happened. I'm going to put them back to back, because I'm not going to talk about the L word. I just, just want to play it. Man convicted of burning LGBTQ flag. Yeah. Yeah. America. Hey. 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 Bow. 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 Little pump and cut. Brr. I'm sorry that you had to find out like that. I know that it can be kind of weird at first. I'm I'm actually more closeted about being Christian than I am about being queer. 
<laughs> yeah. And it was going so well between us, right? Yeah, this really puts the Sylvia thing in like a totally different light for me. Yeah? Does it? Yeah. So you're like married to Jesus, right? Yeah, I am. But it's an open relationship, sexually. Oh. I mean. <laughs> So, did you have a religious upbringing? Uh, yeah. I was raised Catholic. Very, very Catholic. Well, a lot of people that come here have your experience. They were raised Catholic. And then they come here. I try to help remind them that they're not those kids anymore. They can choose what they want to believe. <clears throat> Have you been in a Catholic church since you were a kid? No. God, no, I didn't even go to my grandpa's funeral. What do you think would happen if you went to one? I don't know. Some churches are safe spaces. <laughs> Not in my experience. So, do you have like a direct line to Jesus back there? Or? Yeah, the phone's right in my office. See, I don't know if you're kidding. <laughs> historic court ruling in Story County. A jury finding a man guilty of a hate crime for the first time in the county's history. After a man stole an LGBTQ pride flag from an Ames church in June and publicly burned it. 30-year-old Adolfo Martinez was charged with third-degree harassment, reckless use of fire, habitual offender, and third-degree arson, an aggravated misdemeanor elevated to a Class D felony as part of a hate crime. Tonight, Local 5's Eva Anderson looks into why the county attorney prosecuted his actions as a hate crime. It was right here at Ames United Church of Christ in June when Adolfo Martinez took this flag down and burned it down the street. It only took a few weeks for the church to replace the flag, but it wasn't until months later in November when the congregation finally got the verdict they were hoping for. And if you're following Jesus in the way I understand, it's likely that you're going to get in trouble. But Pastor Eileen Gebby said taking her weekly stand at the pulpit doesn't compare to the pressure of taking a stand in court as the victim of a hate crime. Testifying uh, in court for a crime related to who I am as a human being was a real challenge. Gebby says when she discovered a man had set her church's pride flag on fire in June, as a gay woman, it was a punch to the gut. It wasn't just drunk people doing a prank. This was someone who wanted us to burn. The evidence showed that the reason that he burnt that flag was because it represented gay pride. That's why Story County attorney Jessica Reynolds chose to prosecute the actions of 30-year-old Adolfo Martinez as hate crimes, elevating the penalty. Mr. Martinez testified himself, and he was very blatant in his hatred toward homosexuals. In court, doubling down on his motivation. Wednesday, a jury finding him guilty on all four counts, a first in the county's history. 
Reynolds hopes it sends a message. That everyone understands that these types of crimes are going to be taken very seriously and prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Our God, we thank you. And Gebby hopes it strengthens inclusivity in and outside her congregation and even in her own place at the pulpit. Even though at times I might have felt fearful, particularly when I heard what Mr. Martinez said on the stand, I know that I don't live in fear because I don't live alone. <laughs> Martinez now faces a minimum of three years in prison for the habitual offender charge and a maximum of up to 15 years. In Ames, Eva Anderson, Local 5 News, We Are Iowa. Martinez's mental health was not used as any part of his defense team's argument. His sentencing hearing has not yet been scheduled. Now, just hours ago, the co-owner of the Blazing Saddle Bar in Des Moines posting to Facebook a similar incident to his flag outside his bar. Brian Smith posting the flag was torn down and set on fire after hours early this morning. Nevada, the Story County Attorney Office, is calling the conviction of a man who burned an LGBTQ flag in Ames historic. 30-year-old Alfondo Martinez was convicted Wednesday of arson in the third degree, harassment in the third degree, reckless use of fire, and habitual offender. Martinez stole an LGBTQ flag from the Ames United Church of Christ in June for setting on fire outside the Ames bar. The defendant admitted to lighting the banner on fire with liquid fluid and a lighter. The criminal complaint filed June 11th reads, the burned remains of the banner was recovered in the street outside. Story County attorney Jessica Reynolds pursued the charges as a hate crime, saying politics had no role in the case's prosecution. Hate crimes will not be tolerated in my jurisdiction. Offenders will be aggressively prosecuted and held accountable, Reynolds said in a statement. I'd like to thank the Ames Police Department for their investigation of the jurors in this case for the time and attention. According to Reynolds, this is the first hate crime case ever prosecuted in Story County. Because of the hate crime designation, the arson conviction was classified as a felony instead of an aggravated misdemeanor. Martinez will be sentenced at a later date, but faces a possible maxim, maximum prison term of 15 fucking years, with a mandatory minimum of three years under Iowa habitual offender statute. So burning a gay pride flag is a hate crime. But burning the American flag, well, let's just take a little psychedelic journey from just this fucking year. So my next guest thinks that it's disturbing to see the U.S. flag desecrated, but he disagrees with the president-elect's suggestion. Joining me now, Jonathan Turley, professor at the George Washington University Law School. Professor, good to see you. I mean, Thanks, it's, none of us likes to see the, the flag burn. I mean, apparently some people do, but I think most reasonable people don't like to see that. Uh, but yet banning it says something else about us that would be far more disturbing. Well, it's a curious notion, isn't it? The flag represents our collective rights, and you hardly honor it by abridging those rights, which is what is being suggested. The First Amendment has never been amended. It has never been reduced. It has served us so well since the founding of this republic. Uh, and the suggestion that we should now amend the First Amendment because of what on average is about five to seven uh, flag burnings a year, I think is rather reckless. I mean, the question is, do you want the government in the business of criminalizing speech? Those people that want to allow Congress to do it 
have got to think about the implications of that. You know, many of the Trump supporters were very concerned about a Clinton administration. You shouldn't repeat the mistakes of the Democrats. You shouldn't, because you have power, just hand more power to this government like this is the last president you're ever going to see. We well, have didn't a duty. we just get through an election where Donald Trump was placed in office in part because he said we need to toughen up as a society, we've, got, we've become too politically correct, you should be allowed to offend, that's part of being an American. I mean, th this is part of that. It doesn't just apply to liberals or conservatives, it, it applies to everybody. Right, and you know, you saw the First Amendment in your clips. Hundreds of people came out with flags explaining to these students what they really mean. What that veteran said was very moving when he said they have a right to, to pull down the flag and I have a right to tell them why that's wrong and why that hurts. That's free right. speech. That's much more powerful than dragging people away and arresting them for burning a flag. Professor, great to see you. Thanks, Megan. I do come from a family of veterans, and, and you know, you mentioned football season earlier. I kind of wanted to know how you personally felt about how disrespectful it is, like you have the NFL players kneeling during the national anthems. I wanted to know if you found that disrespectful to our country, to our veterans, and anybody related to that. It just, I find it incredibly frustrating that people seem to be okay with that, and I would just like to hear your input. Thank you. Thanks for a great question. Again, on a really tough issue that if we don't talk about is not going to get better. And the question is, how do you feel about NFL players who take a knee during the national anthem? And is it disrespectful to this country, to the flag, to service members who are right there tonight where it is tonight in Afghanistan and those former service members, retirees and veterans who are here with us today? Thank you each for your service. Um, my, my short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. Here's my, my longer answer, but I'm going try to try to make sure that I get this right. Um, because I think it's a really important question. And reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree on this issue. Let's begin there. And it makes them no less American to come down on a different conclusion on this issue, right? Um, you can feel as a young man does, you can feel as I do, you're every bit as American all the same. Um, but I'm reminded, somebody mentioned reading the, the Taylor Branch book. Um, you did. Um, Parting the Waters and the King Years. And, and when you read that book and find out what Dr. King and this nonviolent, peaceful movement to secure better, because they didn't get full, civil rights for their fellow Americans, the challenges that they faced, those who died in Philadelphia, Mississippi, for the crime of trying to be a man, trying to be a woman in this country, um, the, the young girls who died in the church bombing, um, those who were beaten within an inch of their life crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama with John Lewis, um, those who were punched in the face, spat upon, dragged out by their collar at the Woolworth lunch counter for sitting with white people at the same lunch counter in the same country where their fathers may have bled the same blood on the battlefields of Omaha Beach or Okinawa or anywhere that anyone ever served this country. Um, the freedoms that we have were purchased not just by those in uniform, and they definitely were, but also by those who took their lives into their hands riding those Greyhound buses, the Freedom Riders in the Deep South in the 1960s, who knew full well 
that they would be arrested, and they were, serving time in the Mississippi State Penitentiary. Um, Rosa Parks getting from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. Peaceful, nonviolent protests, including taking a knee at a football game to point out that black men, unarmed, black teenagers, unarmed, and black children, unarmed, are being killed at a frightening level right now, including by members of law enforcement, without accountability and without justice. And this problem, as grave as it is, is not going to fix itself. And they're frustrated, frankly, with people like me and those in positions of public trust and power who have been unable to resolve this or bring justice for what has been done and to stop it from continuing to happen in this country. And so nonviolently, peacefully, while the eyes of this country are watching these games, they take a knee to bring our attention and our focus to this problem to ensure that we fix it. That is why they are doing it. And I can think of nothing more American than to peacefully stand up or take a knee for your rights anytime, anywhere, any place. So thank you very much for asking the question. I appreciate it. Well, it used to be easy to remember the things in America that were racist. They were obvious things. Burning crosses, wearing white robes, swastikas. You get the point. Now, almost every day, something new is being declared racist by whoever decides what's racist. Betsy Ross is now racist. The national, national anthem is racist. And now, as of this week, one of America's first flags, the Gazden flag, the one that reads, Don't Tread on Me. It's been a pro-liberty symbol for almost 250 years. But when actor Chris Pratt wore a shirt with the flag, Yahoo, which is a sort of news organization, ran an article suggesting the shirt choice reflected, quote, white supremacy. Dean Cain is an actor and the star of the recent film Gosnell. We just spoke to him about this. Here's what he said. What is going on here? Uh, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Tucker. I, I am stunned. I don't know. I mean, it, it's shocking to me. I, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Oh, my gosh. It says coffee or die. But it's the join or die back in the old days, the Benjamin Franklin uh, political cartoon from back in the day. There's nothing yes. in the world racist about the Gadsden flag. Nothing at all. I mean, that, that flag symbolizes liberty and independence. And I think part of the reason they go after Chris Pratt for that is because Chris Pratt is a big supporter of our military. He's played Navy SEALs and things of that nature. He's, uh, he was there for the Murph Challenge. I've seen him do a lot of things for our troops. They like him. They respect him. And a lot of our troops like that flag as well. So it's nothing but independence and freedom. And I can't see a thing about it that's racist or white supremacy or anything of that nature. Maybe it's because they think he's conservative and they want to attack him. So uh, that, I'm sure, well, that was that's true. But I, I sense a pattern here. So our earliest flags, our national anthem, our statues, our history itself. What they're really arguing is that America as a country is illegitimate. Yeah, unfortunately, that is what they are arguing. And listen, we did not have a perfect beginning. No country has. Right. Um, we are in order to, you know, we're striving for a more perfect union, meaning that we were never perfect to begin with. We'll never be perfect. We'll continually try and make it better and better. But just because of those things happened in the past, we are we are forged from that history. You know, those things shouldn't be taken down. They shouldn't be poo-pooed and, and people can't co-opt them if you don't let them. You know, this flag, it, it's a big part of our, our, our heritage. So many of my friends uh, love the Gadsden flag and they, they, that tr don't tread on me symbol 
of the rattlesnake, you know, who is eternally vigilant yes. and and won't won't attack you unless provoked was a big symbol for the United States. And it still is. And for good reason. That's exactly right. So but it's easy for you and me to say that. I mean, I, I give my opinions for a living. You're completely out of the closet. People know what your views are. You've taken your lumps already. <laughs> But for people like Chris Pratt, who are not explicitly political, this is dangerous, isn't it, to be called names? It, it very well could be. And fortunately for me, I'm old enough to feel like, you know what, it doesn't matter to me. I'll, I'll voice my opinion. Right. I, you know, I'm not racist in any way, shape or form. I'm not even completely white. But I've been called a white supremacist. I've been called a Nazi. <laughs> you know, Godwin's law. I've been called all of those things. You know, uh, it's, yeah. it's craziness. But but and people are doing that. And people like Chris Pratt, who, listen, the guy's a major movie star. I think he's a fantastic actor. He's very funny. But it could be dangerous for a guy like that. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and that's that's not OK. It's not OK at all. Keen Kane, a brave man. Great to see you, as always. Thank you for coming on tonight. Tucker, happy to. Thank you, sir. When the iconic brand revealed the shoe late last month, critics spoke out. One writing, Nike, you should be ashamed of this shoe. Another wrote, can't wait for the Confederate Air Max 90s. The so-called Betsy Ross flag, named after the 18th century woman mythologized for designing it, has been flown at some nationalist and American Nazi rallies. Some say it celebrates the time of slavery. But Steph, look, this isn't the first time this Betsy Ross flag has been at the center of controversy, right? Yeah, there has been some limited controversy. There was a chapter of the Ku Klux Klan that was sending out flyers in upstate New York that used the flag. There also was an example at a high school in Michigan where some of the students showed up waving this flag and then the superintendent apologizing to families later saying that this flag had become a symbol of hate. But I think this example being the, the most widespread controversy right. we've seen to date. So, uh, Betsy Ross is racist. Uh, fucking American flags racist. American beautiful racist. National anthems racist. You can burn flags all the time. That's fucking free speech. Free speech. Free speech. Free speech. Free speech. But gay flag? Oh, fucking to the hells to the nizzo. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's just fucking... And once again, how are they victims? There's such victimology going on about these poor trans people... And they're getting murdered by their spouses, but we're calling them hate crimes. And they, they're the most powerful lobby. The gay mafia is making Planned Parenthood look like a thousand moms, basically. There's no clout for Planned Parenthood anymore, really, compared to what the gay mafia can do to you. They can ruin your life. They can wipe you out. <laughs> there. There's some serious shit. So our next, um, oh God, this one is just cracking me up. Eagle-eyed Harry Potter fans have spent several years voicing their growing concern but that their hero, J.K. Rowling, might be transphobe. Now in response to a significant U.K. court case, Rowling has provided the most, might be the ultimate upsetting confirmation of her perceived transphobic leanings. And many fans are taking the revelation as a betrayal of the values of tolerance, compassion, and equality that they learned from a fucking book, Harry Potter. Rowling is customarily outspoken about her politics, which can be generalized as ranging from moderately liberal to progressive, though over time she seems increasingly less so 
Vinner fans. On Thursday morning, many of them woke up to a tweet from Rowling, which might seem at first to be a typical example of rolling broadly liberal feminism, which is basically Anthony Reed. Yeah, I, I share these views on the show. I guess I'm more of a feminist than progressives. This was her tweet. Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who'll have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? I stand with Maya. What is wrong with that tweet? Sex is real. Gender is real. You can try to wipe it out, but you're either penis or vagina. We can get rid of male and female if they want. We'll just call, hey, penis. Hey, vagina. That'll work. Fuck it. Rowling's tweet reveals itself as a shocking dismissal of transgender identity. Its first three lines seem to be directly attacking the trans identity, while its final line mischaracterizes the facts surrounding a court case that involves significant transphobia. Many fans have found Rowling's statement deeply disturbing, so much so that the reaction to it is trending on Twitter on early Thursday morning ahead of the impeachment. See? Impeachment's important. This is more important. Backstory of the Rowling's tweet involved a precedent-setting in a UK court case that rife with transphobic intent in 2018, a think tank called the Center for Global Development contracted with a British woman named Maya Forstar as a consultant for Star as a vocal turf trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Go back, search it. I don't know what episode it is. I should actually know that. But where I went through the turfs and sis and their website and a chat room where they don't even know what the fuck they want to call each other. Uh, support our transphobic political movement arguing that transgender women are men and thus should be exempt from the legal and social protections afforded to women who are biologically assigned female at birth and I concur turf activism has been on the rise for years particularly in the UK when trans misogyny has become deeply embedded in feminist movement trans misogyny these fuckers just make shit up that's a new one trans misogyny but they're males. How am I misogynistic towards a male who's got a dick but's got fake titties? How is that misogynistic? I, I don't get it. Throughout September 2018 and over the course of several different conversations in several different contexts, Four Star tweeted and retweeted a number of critical and dehumanizing things about both trans people in general and one specific non-binary person in particular. The tweets made staff members of GCD, blah, blah, blah. She sued and she broke the rules. The rules are you can't touch this fucking group. Clever holiday-related nickname. Here comes the craziness. J.K. Rowling and Joss Wheaton are the same sort of late 90s, early 2000 woke with their views on race, sexuality, women's rights, etc. Might have been revolutionary back then, but woefully inadequate now. But they're too rich to, like, learn or care. Trans advocate. Cool. So Pride 2019, J.K. Rowling is following a proud YouTube transpho. Say they went back and they checked him. They checked him. Here's the story. I was going to put it later in the show. This is what these people do. So, when the Green Bay Packers won the North, Tony Reed retweeted their tweet and said something. Alright? Alicia fucking Keys. The actual Alicia Keys. Liked 
my tweet. One hour later, she did not like my tweet. <laughs> because she knows the skinny. Anything I might have done could fall back on her. So she went back and unliked that shit. Most rickety fucking tickety. Ain't making it up. It was a good weekend for tweets because Svengoolie. Anybody ever watch Svengoolie? It's on MeTV. Uh, I started watching it for the wife, but I love it. It's a campy show out of Chicago. It does really old shows or old uh, horror movies. And we watch it. He liked one of my tweets. Because he was getting school drug because he said It's a Wonderful Life is a great story. And I said, yeah. In a bad time in my life where I was moving into the first home we bought when we shouldn't have. I was painting what we were going to make into a nursery, but the house was too fucking cold because it was the coldest winter on record. And when I bought the house because I was 18 or 19 years old and a dumbass, I never even thought about central heat because I just thought everybody had central heat. I was from the north, but they don't have that in Oklahoma. So we had a wall furnace and a bunch of floor heaters. That we bought, and we froze our dicks off. That's what my wife said. I froze my dick off. I mean, she froze. <laughs> I mean, literally, she says it. I froze my dick off. It was like a, a grunt. It was so cold, we had to sleep with the baby. Else she was going to die. But I was in that room painting. We had a little black and white TV and a color TV that we had in our living room on like a TV stand. It was my first purchase when I went in the military. Little, like... 13-inch color. I thought I was hot shit, right? And in the barracks, I was. I mean, I was hot shit. I had a TV. Anyway, so the black and white TV, I got a garage sale. I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life for the first fucking time. It used to air when I was a kid, but I didn't watch that shit. That was adult shit. And that movie broke me down. I remember crying, just going, wow, okay, it's going to be all right because we were so poor. We were floating checks for pizza. So me and her would have something to eat the last two days because we didn't have any food. I've eaten MRE pieces in the barracks. I mean, we were, it was rough. It was just really rough, which everybody goes through um, when you're first starting. But he was getting killed for saying that, so he liked my tweet. And then there was Alicia Keys, but she backed it off because these people think that way. I don't go through Twitter and like people's tweets then go and see if they accidentally may have clicked somebody that's this. I really don't fucking care. If that's what you're doing with your life, you seriously have some deficiencies. Alright, and the story goes on. In fact, upon closer inspection, Rowling turned out to have followers at least a dozen TERFs. In fact, that's exactly what a representative said telling queer media outlet Pink News in June. She follows on Twitter a wide range of people she finds interesting or thought-provoking. So, for a lot of fans, none of their heroes' latent transphobic leanings really sunk in until far more blatant trans transphobic rhetoric... On Thursday, tweet. But reactions to the tweet were swift and bitter. Human rights campaign. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Non-binary people are non-binary. CCJK rolling. It's not Disney. It's Disney Prime Video. Harry Potter on the wrong side of history. Ella Dawson. My favorite part of J.K. Rowling definitely being a transphobe is that no one can convince me Dumbledore isn't non-binary. Seriously. Though, fuck J.K. Rowling, trans women are women. The best part of Harry Potter fan community is that we read so much queer shit into J.K. Rowling's book, despite her being a disappointing failure of a human who is probably horrible. Remus and Sirius were 100% in love. Tonks was definitely all kinds of queer. 
Then the trans people. Lily is hot, not a foot footstool. I grew up as a trans child reading your books as an escape. I would often pick out names of characters to give to myself before I ever felt comfortable in who I was. This decision to support people who hate me and want to do me harm, it brings tears. Why? Jesse the Many. As a little trans fan of yours back in 97, I felt pretty sick reading this significantly. Many fans tried to... Uh, I'm sorry, that just bled in together. Re- sick reading this. You're sick. Okay. Uh, significantly, many fans tried to reconcile and contextualize J.K. Rowling that they thought they knew and who they were. Data, every time you tweet defending racist, transphobes, and abusers, I swear my tattoo hurts. HP is everything to me, and you're slowly killing everything it represents. Kinda. Tross. Spoilers, kinda. Now, this is the thing about this person. They're a big old trans person. They got all sorts of Christmas stuff, even a baby Jesus. You're conflicted, my friend. You're really conflicted. J.K. Rowling at J.K. Rowling, and they saw the star of the decade. She's an awesome person. At the end, she's a middle-aged mom. Travis McElroy, the Internet's best friend. How much money do I need to kickstart to go back in time and have someone who is not a turf write Jer- Jer- Harry Potter? Scholars doubt that this person, J.K. Rowling, ever existed. Some theorize that the books were actually written by Sir Francis Bacon. Others believe they were authored by Christopher Marlowe. However, most scholars agree that the books simply appeared one day as if by magic. This is for saying... Nothing. Nothing bad. Just, you can't push women out of jobs. You can't. Eric Hinton. Impressive that J.K. Rowling has managed to complete insincere all the goodwill she accredited from creating the most successful youth fantasy series of all time in just under a decade. Anything is possible, folks, if you just keep tweeting. Non-idiots. Going to save you a click. Her tweet literally says sex exists. That's what everyone's freaking out over. That's it. It wasn't transphobic. That's it. That's the tweet. This piece on J.K. Rowling is absurd from top to bottom. The best part is when it says she is moderately liberal progressive, but increasingly less so to her fans. Rowling has sold 500 million books. Do we really think online woke activists represent readers' median ideology? No, probably not. Gerald Byer. Her fans are heartbroken? All of them. Every single Harry Potter fan is heartbroken because apparently J.K. is a heartless bigot. Tell me again about the dogmatism of the right. That's it right there. Purity test on the right. That's an article I could have done for this show on politics. About how the right has purity tests. Motherfuck me, man. you got to be kidding me. From climate, it, it, it is the religion. Climate, trans shit that changes every 2.3 seconds. Gay shit that's every 55 seconds. And feminist shit and abortion they don't even give money to people who aren't pro kill your baby until fucking retirement yeah I extended it by the time we're done in the afterlife I mean Jesus his next tweet this tweet and article should be matted and framed as a classic illustration of the fabled tolerance of the left wow vox.com is pulling out all the stops two articles within 10 minutes and they did they had back to back articles yeah, the entire body work is now destroyed because of a tweet that gave a few looks. Kooks the vapors. The author of that piece is loving the clicks and the ratio, which is attributed to Nazis. So when somebody went back and I, I read you part of that story, I should have probably said Vox. I Adja Romano. Vox is getting totally ratioed by Nazis over my JKR article. So despite them all, please click on it one more time. Is that is this what the left have degraded themselves to now? Calling anyone who disagrees with them a Nazi. Where the fuck have you been at, dude? 
That's been since the 80s. Every presidential candidate, every fucking conservative is either a racist or a Nazi. The only thing we've actually added to the repertoire of how the left can say and demean and do whatever they want and the Chuck Todd's of the world just go, well, that's politics, is Putin's bitch. I mean, that's what we added. He works for Russia. Even though you worked with Russia big time. Eh, Whatever. It's little wonder why more people are utterly confused when it comes to identifying with the politics. Utterly ridiculous. It's true. New York Times piles on J.K. Rowling for tweet noting basic biology versus versus transgender lobby. Uh, The headline deck was indeed stacked. J.K. Rowling criticized after tweeting support for anti-transgender research. Ms. Rowling expressed support for a researcher. Views on transgender people were condemned by a court on Wednesday as incompatible with human dignity. No one was being anti-transgender. The researchers in Rowling were merely affirming there are two sects. Stack's reporting is notoriously snarky and slanted. Even the context of the Times has taken on a rolling bow to basic biology aligned with her Twitter attackers. He put Rowling on the defensive in a lead. J.K. Rowling, the creator of Harry Potter series, was criticized by gay and transgender rights groups on Thursday after she expressed support for a British researcher whose views on transgender people were described by a court as not worthy of respect in democratic society. The researcher, Maya Forrester, lost her job last year. <clears throat> Think tank, blah, 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 we already got it. Blah, blah, blah. Mr. Forrester's case was widely reported in Britain, but became an international news story because of Rowling's tweet. And because of the backlash, which was powered in part by long-standing suspicion amongst the LGBT advocates that the author had held negative views of transgender people, J.K. Rowling says she's opposed to fundamentalism in any form, but she's promoting a harmful fundamentalism that endangers the LGBTQ community, particularly transgender youth. She should apology. Do you see what they do every time? If you don't want to federally fund and have live birth abortions, you are hurting black women. Not all women, black women. If you say a penis makes you a man and a vajayjay makes you a woman, you are hurting trans people. You might as well be the person killing somebody. They do that all the time. Their rhetoric is always, oh, you endanger it. But we started the show where a fucking senior member of the Democratic Party, hang that motherfucker, and that's false. So says Snopes. Glad tried to force Rowling to apologize. She refused. Uh, let's see, canceled uh, because she spoke out of search about Ford male, transgender. Male can never be biological. Okay. Global development, blah, 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 we already got it, blah, 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 four star, blah, 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 sorry, I should have edited this shit. Trying to get to it, four star absolute views of the Senator Jenner is actually violent. The court found an opinion violates the dignity, blah, 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 blah. Rowling met with a torrent abuse for statements with LGBTQ activists and her allies across the spectrum, threatening Rowling's livelihood and demand that she apologize and admit that she was an error when she spoke out in support of someone who merely acknowledges biological and genetic reality. Glad has been among Rowling's most vocal critics, often saying on social media that Rowling is putting transgender individuals at risk because she refuses to believe men can be considered women for the purpose of think things like privacy and sport. On Friday, the pro-LGBTQ EIEIO rights group 
put out a statement blasting Rowling and challenging her to meet with a transgender activist and cherry-picked scientist in order to expand her worldview. In other words, Rowling should submit to indoctrination and bullying until she agrees that male to female transgender individuals are indeed women. J.K. Rowling, whose books gave kids hope that they could work together to create a better world and now align herself with the anti-science ideology that denies the basic humanity of people who are transgender. Anti-science! I think you're confused. I know inter- intersectionality is really tough, man. You gotta bring race in it. You gotta bring gay shit in it. From climate to fucking tampons in a fucking restroom. You gotta mix it. But science says there are males and females. Science. Biology. It's just a fact. Sorry about that. The group's head of talent said in a statement, trans men, trans women, and non-binary people are not a threat and to imply otherwise put trans people at risk. Now it's time for allies who know and support trans people to speak up and support their fundamental rights to be treated equally and fairly. Rawling, of course, never said trans men, trans women, or non-binary people are a threat. She merely spoke out in support of those who acknowledge biology and genetic, suggesting they shouldn't be put out of a fucking job. LGBTQ advocacy groups said they reached out to Rowling PR team and offered to facilitate an off-the-record discussion between the best-selling author and members of the trans community, and Rowling said, suck a dick. Although ordinary researchers, writers, and comedians can often be forced to apologize for the wrong opinion, Star Wars Mark Hamill, for example, apologized for merely liking Rowling's tweet. Rowling net worth is well in the billions. People are unlikely to stop consuming the books, but I'm sure we'll have a fucking book burning. The Guardian. I write inclusive books for children. J.K. Rowling's tweet breaks my heart. Uh, for many of us, Rowling has been our entire childhood, our escape, and at times our friends. For many of us, that has now changed. Thanks to her defense of Four Star, who recently lost an employment tribunal over refusing to recognize transgender rights, my heart is broken, and I'm not alone. Rowling's tweet was unambiguous. I grew up as a trans child reading your books as escape. Oh, these are the same shit. British Army officer transgender woman said, I have been a huge fan of yours for as long as I can remember as it breaks my heart to see this. Trans women are women and all I and others like me want is to be treated with respect and kindness, which unfortunately is something Maya refused to do. No, you don't. You want special privileges. Why do you fucking just be honest? We want you to bow. You will say what we tell you to say. We will take a dump on your face and you'll just shut the fuck up. Because if you don't want people who think they're the opposite sex to shit on your face, you're a transphobe! I mean, it's that crazy. That's how they are. They don't want inclusion. They don't want equal rights. They want superior rights. They want everybody to admit that penises and vaginas do not exist. That's why my bro in Oregon, Matt, which, by the way, I'm I'm copycatting, bro. I bought one. He's got on his Bronco. I identify as a Prius. They want that in everything. Everything. So from now on, I really am a millionaire. And when I start bouncing fucking checks and just fucking doing what the fuck I want with money, when they come to get me, I'm just going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I identify as a goddamn millionaire. So anyway, this article goes on. To, I write them, and this is horrible, and my whole thing is to brainwash kids. Why won't you brainwash kids good, too? Why? 
And then you go to fucking Pink News. Oh, what's the best one? Uh, no magical spell is going to protect J.K. Rowling from the transphobic blowback this time. These, these motherfuckers have like ten articles on this. Ten. No expecto patronum spell is going to protect her from the blowback this time. Uh, what does it say down here? When do they start killing him? It's dog whistle transphobia. The thing is, the court ruling was completely unambiguous. As Judge J. Taylor's absolutist view of sex is, is, and that is rare component of her belief that she will refer to a person by the sex she considers appropriate, even if it violates their dignity and or creates an intimidating, hostile, degrading, humiliating, or offensive environment. How much of a fucking snowflake do you have to be for me to say, what's up, dude, and it breaks you in half. Once again, further proving it's a mental illness. If that breaks you down, because what's it's if it's true and you're crushed by this, you have a mental illness. But odds on, it's what I just fucking said. It has nothing to do with that. They say that shit just like BLM says shit because it's about retribution for you being white, being a Christian, being fucking cis, having a normal life, having babies, not believing the world's going to blow up in 12 years. It's all get these motherfuckers. This is our tool. We'll kill them. Next article. Transphobic ex-Olympian Sharon Davies, who backs J.K. Rowling, compares drag shows to blackface. Yeah. Let me read the tweet. Apparently, without irony, she went on to offer her own characters of what it is to be a woman. Women are juggling kids, rushing out a wholesome dinner, doing the laundry and cleaning, holding down a job. All in this period, pain and leaky boobs and breastfeeding. Enough of the stereotypes, Davies added. Again, seemingly unaware that characterizing a woman as a mother and a wife who cook, raise children, and do housework is what many might call an outdated stereotype. Twitter was quick to demonstrate that Davies' sentiments towards drag shows are shared by many who are anti-trans. Am I the only person fed up with drag shows? A parody of what real women is, is like blackface. Women are juggling kids, blah, 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 blah. I always enjoyed them, and the climate starting to feel resentment. It's a battle to be aware of what is happening to a woman and not letting this perversion of rights movement let take everything down with it. Like genuine transsexuals drag shows, LGB needs to be separated from T. Holy fuck! You can't say that. She's right. Another one, uh... Woman gets eviscerated after defending J.K. Rowling and claiming trans women can't be women because of biology. Uh, this one didn't go well for this person either. Uh, women have been very kind. We are we are saying trans women are women. Okay, that's fine. But we have to draw the line, and biology is the line, the caller said. This is a call-in show. LBC caller says trans women aren't rape like women are. Well, that's true! They don't have a fucking vagina. I mean, if you want to break it down, it's not the same. But I think the blackface is spot fucking on. It's the same thing. You're impersonating a woman. You just are. And if that's not true, if this is not a person who believes they're a woman, they do not have the genetics... That make them a woman. They just think they're a woman. 
then why do we have shit like this? This is real. Studio helping trans men act more like women. Obviously, a lot of people see a man in a dress. People probably do a double take sometimes. So just work your lips through my fingers, off you go. Chair, re, tree. Very good. Well. My goal is to, to try to get people to mo more often read me as female rather than male. The objective really is to gain some confidence, to blend in better in public. What we're ideally doing is lifting this uh, part of the brow here to make it more feminine. Uh, so my main goal is to make people feel really great about themselves, really confident, be able to walk with their head held high and look fantastic. The real problem is hiding the beard shadow because I've not gone for, for any of the facial hair removal as yet. Even after a clean shave you can see the shadow there. I've got to wear makeup to cover that up. It's just that personalised touch to it that this is this is designed for your face. How candid are you with your clients? Well let's say I have to give some tough love sometimes. If they're rocking up in a miniskirt and a Rod Stewart wig at the age of 50, we need to tell them that that isn't going to be acceptable. Some people might say that you're making money off of vulnerable people. How would you respond to that? The people I see every day are not vulnerable. You pay for services, we're offering a service. It's as simple as that. Well, quite often you'll, you'll find someone will change their gendering of you when, when they've, they've spoken to you. I had a, a, a cart full of boxes going to a charity shop and it fell over and a gentleman kindly came over to help me and, and it was love. And then it was mate. <laughs> Before I'd spoken, it was love. And then after I'd spoken, it was mate. Well, passing obviously is the is the idea that people can't tell that you were born or assigned male at birth. It's something that very few people have to full full degree. And and I've long since accepted that I'm it, that's never going to happen for me. And I settle for blending in. It's disheartening, I think, is the, is, is the best way to put it. You, you, you shrug it off and, and, you, uh, and you, you just carry on and, and you try not to let it eat you up. But it, it does sting. Cashier number two. Very good. Perfect. Brilliant. Very good, just like you. Okay, so there's you. Now, Nicole, what I want to do is get... Just... Now, probably the most important thing that underpins the voice is, is to get rid of that. Mm. So I'm going to start off with that today. Is that okay? Yeah. Transgendered women have a more difficult time because they essentially have a male larynx and the vocal cords are quite thick because they're male vocal cords. So I want you just to again, only this. Chair. Re. Tree. And just work your lips as hard as you can. Okay. Chair. Re. Tree. Very good, well done. Okay, now, you probably noticed from the outset she went straight away from mmm, mmm, and straight away, just that first time, she was able to get the difference. She's already like outgoing, confident, and that makes a huge difference. When you're on your own and you're just dressing up in front of the bedroom mirror and you're wishing you could go out like that but you don't dare, something is telling you 
you know, that, that it's wrong to be who you are and it's wrong to want these things. It's made it feel like I'm entitled to be this person and it doesn't have to be a secret and there's nothing wrong with it. And it's not even abnormal, it's just a different kind of normal. Once again, we're buying your bullshit that I was born this way and we got songs, I was born this way, I'm living my true self. I don't need a class to tell me how to fucking be a man. I'm masculine in some form. These are people who just want attention. Trans activists seems to suggest that gentle preference isn't transphobic. On December 14th, transgender activist Brian Tannehill penned an op-ed for The Advocate, an LGBT, LGBTQ publication. The op-ed is titled, Is Refusing to Date Trans People Transphobic? Tannehill makes several arguments of the piece pertaining to alleged transphobia, which you can read here if you want further insight into such thinking. However, one argument Tannehill makes stands out because it completely contradicts itself. After admitting that most transgender people have not had bottom surgery, meaning the surgical procedure that would restructure male or female genitalia in approximation of the other, Tannehill suggests it's not transphobic to have a gentile preference. This rule can theoretically be applied neutrally across cisgender and transgender people. Thus, the rule of I'm not attracted to people with vagina or not attracted to people with penis. can be equally applied to both cisgender women and transgender men. Tannehill continues offering an example of how one can discern transphobic behavior. The legal realm also provides insight into whether something is inherently transphobic in and of itself. There's a legal concept called the but-for-test, where but for a certain fact or action, something would not have happened. It is also referenced to as the sine qua non rule, which means without which not. In civil rights case, this is a crucial test to see if individuals are being discriminated against. Tanniel says that if a woman is fired from a job for wearing pants like those of her male colleagues, and she wouldn't have been fired for wearing pants if she was had not been a woman... The, that is the but-for scenario. Similarly, imagine a date that's going well. There's mutual physical attraction and definite chemistry. Then you find out they're transgender via conversation. Yes, everyone still has their clothes on. At the end of the date, right then and there, but the fact that the other person was transgender, this would have been a really good date. You probably would have seen them again. This is discrimination against the transgender person for being transgender. Obviously, this isn't illegal, nor should it be. But for a logical standpoint, yes, this is discrimination and transphobic. So having a gentle preference isn't transphobic except for when it is. Tannehill argument contradicts each other, and the world Tannehill has created individuals allowed to state their attraction limits, but only prior to engaging with the other person to whom they might be attracted. For example, a male can say that he is only attracted to someone who has a vagina, a female, and that's acceptable. However, this very same male cannot go out on a date with a biological male masquerading as a female, then upon revelation that his biological male is not a female and does not possess female genitalia, end the date due to general preference. And Bennett and Tannehill's argument is de- deconstruction of what it means to be male and female. Tannehill implies that if a man is physically attracted to and has chemistry with female presenting biological male, prior to the disclosure of this female presenting biological male is indeed a biological male and unwilling to process romantically following the revelation would be transphobic. Yeah. There they are. You're transphobic. If you don't want to suck a dick. that That's what it comes down to. Because now you found out there is a dick. I mean, what fucking world are you people living in? I really want to know where this... I mean, going back to that... 
you know, previously stated podcast, you read this shit, it is like, it, 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 it validates this is a mental disease. They don't fucking know which way is up or down. They have no fucking clue, and they're just making it up. So because I'm a male, and I'm not really into penises, and we're talking, and you say, hey, yo, I want to fuck you, but I have a penis. And I say, nope, ain't into that, bro. I mean, you're a good dude and all, but yeah, we're not going there. And this is all the presumption that I'm single. I am now transphobic. And they've been pushing this, and so has the media, and so has Twitter, that you are transphobic if you don't want to fuck a transphobic or transgender person once you find out they're transgender. No. No. If you're saying that, then every woman on the planet, if I was single and I walked up to them and said, I want a little something, something, they got to give me the something. If they don't give me the something, well, then they're, they're, they're biased. They're discriminatory. That's your theory. That if you demand sex or want intimacy with a person, they got to give that shit up. That's exactly what you're saying. When that's not the case. Nor should it, for Christ's sake. I mean, seriously, people. These are the fucking wahoos that are making this shit up and ruling the world right now. They're ruling it. Charlene Theron. I I still, if I was, you know, single, I'd want to get a little something-something with that. She's still pretty. Talks about her seven-year-old transgender child wants folks to use the right pronoun. Hey, Charlize, fuck off. Not doing it. Not doing it. Nope, not going to do it. No more all-female pageants. Transgender suing beauty pageants for barring men. Men, they have penises. United States of America pageants being sued by beauty queen contender Anita Green, who is a dude and transgender, being denied a chance to compete in the Miss Oregon pageant. Due to his sex, claiming discrimination, Green is attempting to force the pageant to change its rules and seek unspecified monetary damages, according to Port of Lamont Week. He'll get it. It's Oregon. I mean, they let illegals out the back door. They're going to probably do this one. This is about giving minorities a voice, Green claims. What fucking voice don't you have? We're, we're carting out six-year-old or seven-year-old fucking transgender kids on TV, and you own Twitter. I believe I'm beautiful. You know, I think I am too. But when I look in a mirror, it says no. <laughs> I want to set an example for all women, cisgender and transgender, that beauty doesn't have to fit in a specific mold. The pageant website, however, specifically details and rules that only natural-born female contestants are permitted. 13 to 17 years age, U.S. citizen, is a resident, works or goes to school in the state of Oregon, is a natural-born female, has never posed nude in film or print, is single, not married, has never been married, and has never given birth. Moreover, when Green informed the pageant that sex is male, a director offered to find a pageant that allows trans folks. That's when he went to suing them. 
In an interact, in interaction with via Facebook, according to Lanolith, Smith sent a link with pageant rules. After reading them, Green responded, you know I'm transgender, right? I did not, Smith said. A rules and regulations allow same-sex marriage. However, this is a natural pageant. Smith has offered to help Green find other pageants. Green asked that Smith would be willing to change the rules to allow transgender people. Again, we'd be happy to help you find a pageant that you qualify for. However, this time we do not anticipate the rule changing. Well, I'll talk to my attorney about this then because discrimination is unacceptable. This is clearly discrimination. I'm sorry that you feel that way, Smith replied. To end the conversation, Smith declined WW's request. The pageant returned Green's $195 entry following the interaction. I felt as though I'd been invalidated, he said. I felt as though the organization was saying I'm not a woman. And I'm not a woman enough. Guess what? It's because you're not a woman. And you're not woman enough. Invalidated. I do not have to validate you, Green. You do not have to validate me. It goes back to Green Bay Packers and fucking brisket. That's me. Doesn't have to be you. Now, pillow fights are offensive to gays, says Glad. Pillow fights. Oh, let's read this shit. Democratic presidential debate. The only contest in which the usage of the phrase pillow fight generates excitement. No, really. Glad the speech stasa for all things LGBT blasted Politico for using the phrase in reference to a less than brutal debate exchange between South Bend, Indiana, Buttleg and Warren. Claiming it offended people. Sad to say, that's how boring a major party's presidential bait really are. And how the hypersensitive are the armies of the woke, or the gay mafia, glad, of course. Uh, Jesus freaking Christ. Yesterday, that was the fact that four out of five TV characters isn't gay or something. Today, Dat is using a metaphor for polyanimous pugilism. Politico recounted its rebuke and post-debate morning roundup. Glad sent us a note yesterday about Playbook PM. Noting that our use of pillow fight when describing a fight between Pete Pollock and Elizabeth Warren may have offended people. The note, written by Drew Anderson, the LGBTQ group's director of news and rapid response, or what I like to call the mafia kingpin, and he's a he's a he's a wet work guy, goes after everybody, essentially cautioned against a phrase claiming that gays and women could find political phrasing to be a slur. He wrote, for women and LGBTQ people at the workplace, hearing phrases like dramatic, over-the-top, and even pillow fight during office disagreement fosters negative stereotypes and diminishes a person simply because of who they are. I'm speaking tongues. Let's break this down. You can call half the country deplorable. You can tell people that are playing the circle game they're white supremacists. You can say people who don't want abortion to college, or what did I say? Oh, fucking retirement? I don't remember what the fuck I said. Uh, that's sexist and racist. You can say there are two genders, you're transphobe. You can say, I don't want to have sex with a dude that's a woman, that's transphobe. Um, did I miss any? Oh, I want a border. I'm xenophobe. You can say all that shit. But say pillow fight. And you're a motherfucker. Hmm. Sounds about right. Yeah. That sounds right. I saw the new Star Wars. It's lesbian kiss scene. Won't satisfy anyone. I got this from Daily Wire and he's right. Team Star Wars actually listened to fans while creating the ninth and final film in the Lucas Space Saga. Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, lasts the ghastly woke nods of its predecessor, The Last Jedi. The minds behind the franchise even dramatically cut back Asian actress Kelly Marie Tran's 
screen time, her Rose Tico character played a sizable role in Jedi, which saw some saw as a, 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 a sop to political correct casting. It's not trans fault. The writer director Rian Johnson gave her so little to do, dramatically speaking. Yet J.J. Abrams, who co-wrote the director Skywalker, still couldn't help himself. The film's final moments reveal a celebratory kiss between two female characters. Abrams bragged about the bus in a recent interview, letting the LGBT crowd know he hadn't forgotten them. And in the case of the LGBT community, it was important for me that people who go to see this film feel they've been represented in the film because if there's only one thing integral to 42-year-old series, it's sexual diversity. That has a lot to do with the Force. I mean, it's true. The Force is SJW shit, if you think about it. The Force is strong with you when you can intersectionality, climate, race, gender, lack of gender, and gay shit. You just throw that all in a pile. Oh, and black and cops kill black people. Um, you throw all that in a pile, that is a force right there. And only Abrams' victory lap comes with an asterisk. The scene in question lasts a literal second of screen time, maybe less. This critic thought he saw the kiss, but left the theater unsure only when the media confirmed the historic event was in crystal clear. Now what? Does anyone think the LGBTQ community will be f- satisfied with second or le- less of inclusion? Everyone else will read Abrams' quote and figure Skywalker cared more, more about the virtue signaling than solid storytelling. It's a lose-lose choice, and it's not the first time we've seen it. And it goes into the Venn game and all that shit. I, for these people, you have to have the two dudes humping in the back of a fucking paramedic's vehicle. You gotta have that. And if you don't have that, then this is not a real... Their storylines, they have to be... Key characters, they have to be this, they have to be that, they have to be all these things. But it really comes down to, that's just doublespeak for, we want to see tribbing and dick sucking. If you do not have tribbing and dick sucking on your fucking show, then you are gay-phobic, transphobic, homophobic, and all the other phobics. We want to shove our shit down your neck. Because we represent the 5.4% of the country who fucking hates everybody else. IndieWire demands Hallmark Channel make its first LGBT movie. Because once again, bending the knee ain't enough. You gotta have a bunch of gay people humping. Don't get that done? Oh, you just fucked up. Menstrual equality, another one. ACLU demands tampons in men's bathrooms. On Tuesday, the ACLU said men's bathrooms should be equipped with tampons and menstruation products since men can have their periods too. No, they can't. If you're bleeding out your dick, I've said it before, you need to see a doctor. You got fucking issues, bro. I mean, I've had prostatitis for months. I'm on Flomax now and a really good antibiotic. It's literally made me sick for three days and then it stopped making me sick. And like rashes, anything that was wrong with my body is going away. But I never bled. But to their point, while free menstruation products are not uniformly provided in women's restroom, they are almost never available in men's restrooms, even for pay, the ACLU complained. Men's restrooms are also less likely to have a place to dispose of these products conveniently, privately, and hygienically. The group highlights men's homeless shelters and men's prisons being inadequate with regards to menstruation equality. Similarly, women's homeless shelters sometimes provide menstrual products, but men's typically don't. Some domestic violence shelters exclude trans and non-binary people, even though more than half have experienced intimate partner violence. That's why they don't want to sleep next to a guy who thinks he's a girl, but he has a dick. She was raped. She doesn't want to be around a dick. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know, but that seems pretty logical. 
While across access to menstrual products as women's prisons is often inadequate, it's far worse than men's prisons. Trans and non-binary people may be incarcerated in either. How can we recognize the barriers to menstrual access are a form of sex discrimination while erasing the lived experience of trans men and non-binary people who menstruate, as well as women who don't? Some arguments that challenge discrimination laws based on sex-linked characteristics have made the point that only women menstruate get pregnant or breastfeed, but that is not full or accurately portrayed, and menstrual stigma and period poverty can hit trans and non-binary people particularly hard. In a similar town, the organization tweeted last month that men could get their periods and get pregnant. We covered it, but here's the deal. This is when your circular logic Excel fucking spreadsheet falls the fuck apart. If there is no fucking sex, then how the fuck do we need to worry about women? If gender, penises, and motherfucking vaginas do not motherfucking exist, then why do you give a fuck about this shit? In your world that you're pitching right now, there are no periods, because there is no gender. We're all... I mean, the whole concept of gender is a social construct. So fuck you and your damn tampons. That's what I say. Fuck them. You don't need tampons. You're not a woman. Even if you give birth. That wasn't a woman giving birth. That was an it. Because that's what you're fucking saying half the time. And then you flip back to the regular shit. Sexist. Yeah. That's you. You're all sorts of fucked up to everything is racist. Here's Caitlin Bennett. I do not want us to forget the black Hebrew Israelites who killed a bunch of people and somehow it's still white supremacy problems. So she went to talk to some and let her break it down. It's not good. Everything is racist. said you guys must be killed with the sword. So you're saying God the white said. people must be killed with a sword. It's the King James 611 Bible. That's what you guys God think said. anything's wrong with that? Murder? Is that okay? No, slavery's not okay. It was never okay. But why would you combat it with the same you so you're gonna you're gonna do that to white people? The Bible, this is the word of God. God says you are going to be killed. You're saying these horrible things that are making this was before slavery, so you can't even interpret that to slavery. This was written way before slavery. Does he deserve to die because he's white? Does he deserve to die? So what are you guys doing out here? You're preaching the word, but you don't have the balls to do it yourself? You don't have the balls to do it yourself. During the slave trade, must be killed with the sword. Do I deserve to die? Do I? I deserve to die. To prepare your butt for slaughter today. All right, guys. So what we have here is a bunch of black people saying that white people deserve to die. White people, absolutely. Exactly what's being said. How is that not racist? It is racist. Oh, so you're admitting it. It is absolutely racist. Why is that okay? It is not okay to say people deserve to die. That's it. You gotta deal with us over here. Holy. 
Stand behind a microphone. You guys aren't going to do sh by yourselves. All right. Yeah. All right. This is some toxic masculinity. Look how. Do you think these men are very manly saying that white people deserve to die? Uh, no. Actually, I've watched your videos before, so. Do you agree with them that white people deserve to die? No. How crazy is that? So we can recognize that slavery is wrong, but that doesn't mean that we should be advocating to murder people based on their skin color, correct? Yeah, of course. Do you think I deserve to die because I'm white? No. You're That's what they're hey, preaching. That's what makes you beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's weird hearing in California. I'm so shocked there's not more coverage on that. Oh, wait a minute. No, yeah. I'm not surprised. I mean, come on. Come on, that shit got buried just like the fucking congressional baseball shooting and every other shooting that isn't a white guy shooting somebody. They even cloak the race of cops and police-involved shootings. They just don't talk about it. They call, you know, Latino cops white cops. A Caucasian Latino. We've heard that. Historian tells New York Times your 1619 project is wrong. New York Times says take a hike. It is intestinal arrogance published a response by its editor-in-chief rejecting the claims of five noted historians of the Times 169 project, which is intended to be used to inform education of school children across the country is an attempt to paint the founding of the United States as built on slavery rather than freedom contained factual arrogance. Errors. The historian started by writing, We write as historians express their strong reservations about important aspects of the 1619 Project. The project is intended to offer a new version of American history in which slavery and white supremacy become the dominant organizing themes. The Times has announced ambitious plans to make the project available to schools and form a curriculum and related instruction material. <clears throat> the historians even recycled the leftist talking point of slavery being an enduring centrality of slavery and racism to our history before criticizing the factual errors in the project and the closed process behind it. They noted the project asserts that the founders declared the colonies independent of Britain in order to ensure slavery would continue. This is not true. If supportable, the allegation would be astounding, yet every statement offered by the project to validate it is false. Some of the other material in the project is distorted, including the claim that, for the most part, black Americans have fought their freedom struggles alone. Historians continue, still other material is misleading. The project criticizes Abraham Lincoln's view on racial equality, but ignores his conviction that the Declaration of Independence proclaimed universal equality for blacks as well as white, a view he upheld repeatedly against powerful white supremacists opposed him. The project also ignores Lincoln's agreement with Frederick Douglass that the Constitution was, in Douglass' words, a glorious liberty document. Instead, the project asserts that the United States was founded on racial slavery, an argument rejected by the majority of abolitionists and proclaimed by champions of slavery like John C. Calhoun. <clears throat> they concluded, we ask that the Times, according to its own high standards of accuracy and truth, issue prominent corrections of all errors and distortion presented in the 1619 project. We also ask for the removal of these mistakes from any material destined to schools. We finally ask the Times to reveal fully the process through which the historical materials were and continue to be assembled, checked, and authenticated. Jake Silverstein, the editor-in-chief, responded to the charge by claiming, while we be 
welcome criticism. We don't believe that the request for correction of the 1619 project is warranted. He continued by citing the creator, Nikel Hannah-Jones, a staff writer at the magazine. Silverstein protested, we did not assemble formal panel for this project. Instead of during early stage of development, we consulted with numerous scholars of African-American history and related fields and group meetings at the time, as well as a series of individual conversations. Our researchers carefully reviewed all the articles and issue with subject area experts. He admitted, we can hardly claim to be studied, have studied the revolutionary period as long as many of the signatories, nor do we presume to tell them anything they don't already know. But I think it would be useful for readers to hear why we believe that Hannah Jones claimed that one of the primary reasons colonists declared to, to declare decided to declare their independence from Britain was because they wanted to protect the institution of slavery. Yeah. Basically, we want to redefine everything like we do with everything else. Because that's how we do it. We make up new white supremacy because old white supremacy is wore out and there's not people running around lynching people and doing all the things we say they're doing including the police. So we take everything and infer it has racial intentions, and we ignore blatant racism like Rashida Tlaib. Hi, if not now, Detroit. Happy early Hanukkah to all of you. I wish I could be there to celebrate with you all. You give me so much life. Your 2020 platform calling for every public official to commit to defunding the occupation in Palestine and fighting anti-Semitism and white nationalism is one that I can support very strongly. Please consider me as your partner here in the United States Congress as well as back home in the 13th District. Together, I know we'll build a brighter future for all of us. In the meantime, happy early Hanukkah and thank you from the bottom of my heart for your tireless advocacy and work for not only me, myself and the American people, but also for my grandmother. I will look forward to seeing you all very, very soon. Yeah, happy Hanukkah. We want to defund Israel because they're racist and those poor Palestinian terrorists need more money. Okay, that's a good Hanukkah message. I mean, it, it isn't actually backed up with their incessant and fervent anti-Semitism. That the New York Times ignores. Yeah. So, let's go into a uh, music break. We're going to do What Are You Doing on New Year's Eve. And then we're going to come into some holiday bashing. Kind of end the show. The rest of it's going to be, uh, well, there's a few feminist stuff. It's all just liberal shit. It's just liberal shit. That's what I do my new section. Liberal fucking shit. Maybe it's much too early in the game Ah, but I thought I'd ask you just the same What are you doing, New Year? New Year's Eve Wonder whose arms will hold you good and tight When it's exactly twelve o'clock that night Welcoming in the new year New year 
Maybe I'm crazy to suppose I'd ever be the one you chose. Out of the thousand invitations. I stand one little chance. Here comes the jackpot question in advance. What are you doing, New Year's? New Year's Eve. Politic Podcast with Tony Reed.
Good evening. We're going to talk about climate now. Senator Klobuchar, many scientists say that even if the U.S. reduced its carbon footprint to zero by the year 2050, the damage will have been done. The climate change will have made certain places in the U.S. unlivable. So knowing this, would you support a new federal program to subsidize the relocation of American families and businesses away from places like Miami or Paradise, California, perhaps, Davenport, Iowa, because we know these places are going to be hit time and time again. Mr. Steyer, would you support such a new federal program, again, to help subsidize the relocation of these families? Look, I am hoping that we, in fact, will do what I'm suggesting, which is declare a state of emergency on day one of my presidency. I have made this. I believe I'm the only person here who will say unequivocally this is my number one priority. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Beating them over the head Thank and you, killing Mr. Mayor. We'd like to problem. switch gears slightly. Vice President Biden, I'd like to ask you, three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth, even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Okay, I decided to flip the script for editing purpose. Might as well get the climate over. That was the climate debate. I'm not covering the debates. It's the same old lame shit. They infer we're just going to relocate all sorts of cities. Just move them. Because remember, we're already underwater. They said it in the fucking 30 years ago they said it. That Florida, Washington, D.C., the monuments would be underwater. They're not. But, you know, they're still saying it. Most people on the coast are underwater. They're dead, but they're not. So we're going to relocate. And then Biden picking up from Hillary, and guess what? We're just going to fucking fuck you, blue-collar jobs. It doesn't matter, because in 12 years, we're all going to be dead. So we're going to shut down coal and everything else. And if you work in a job that is not in the green industry, go fuck yourself. That's his plan for re-election. Or election, excuse me. Okay. Greta Thunberg, connect Australian fires to climate crisis. Far-left climate alarmist Thunberg urged political leaders on Sunday to connect fires that are raging in Australia to the climate crisis while ignoring the fact that the overwhelming majority of Australian fires are man-made, many of which are intentionally acts of arson. She made the remark in a retweet of a video from a local Australian news outlet writing, not even catastrophes like these seem to bring any political action. How is this possible? Because we still fail to make the connection between climate crisis and increased extreme weather events and natural disasters like Australia fires. That's what has to change now. She retweeted 9 News Sydney. The ring of fire around Sydney is angry and as frightening as we've seen. 20,000 people tonight in the path of the megafire. Blah, 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 blah. Thunberg's tweet takes aim at the wildfires that have raged across the continent over the past few months, many of which investigators allege have been started by people on purpose. <clears throat> in Australia, the people responsible for the fire, especially if done so deliberate actor, often referred to as firebugs. 
As firefighters remain on high alert, police revealed 103 of the destructive fires that lashed Queensland since September were deliberately left. Figures obtained by the AAP revealed police had dealt with 98 people, 31 adults and 67 juveniles, for deliberately, deliberately setting fires. More than 120 fires are still being investigated and more people could be charged. The firebug revelation comes as fire crews continue to face challenging conditions as strong upper ridge sweeping across the southeast combines with the fresh east northeasterly northeasterly winds <clears throat> on twitter some push back on thunberg assertion that the climate crisis was blamed for wildfires in australia tom nelson sorry greta but fires are not evidence that trace co2 causes fires arson mischief and recklessness 87 percent of fires are man-made fires have been in long-term decline globally and they show statistics that she will not read the sydney morning herald reported last month there are an average of 62,000 fires in australia every year only a very small number strike far from populated areas and satellite studies tell us that lightning is responsible for only 13 percent not so the current fires threatening to gulf queensland and nsw there was There were no lightning strikes on most of the days when the fires first started, although there have been since these fires joined. A 2015 satellite analysis of 113,000 fires from 1997 to 2009 confirmed what we had already known for some time. 40% of fires are deliberately lit. Another 47% are accidental, which leaves you with 87%. 87 percent man-made but you know facts don't mean shit to these people it bl- forbes sums it up in 2020 climate science needs to hit the reset button in a remarkably easy essay a remarkable essay last week we're getting a clear picture climate future is not as bad as once looked david wallace wells of new york magazine wrote the climate news might be better than you thought certainly better than i've thought the essay was remarkable because Wells, a self-described alarmist, is also the author of Uninhabitable Earth, which describes an apocalyptic version of a future dominated by elements of climate chaos. According to Wallace Wells, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag. His newfound optimism was a result of learning that much discussion of climate change is based on extreme but implausible scenarios of the future where the world burns massive amount of coal. The implausibility of such scenarios underscored by more recent assessments of global energy system trajectories of the International Energy Agency in the United Nations would suggest that carbon dioxide emission from the burning of fossil fuels will be relatively flat over the next several decades, even before climate policies are implemented. Scenarios of the future have long sat at the center of the discussion of climate science, impacts and adaptation and mitigation policies. Scenarios planning planning has a long history and can be traced to the Rand Corp during World War II and later, ironically enough, Shell, a fossil fuel company. Scenarios are not intended to be the forecast of the future, but rather to serve as an alternative to forecasting. Scenarios provide a description of possible futures contingent upon various factors, only some of which might be under the control of decision makers. The climate community got off track by forgetting the distinction between using scenarios as an explanatory tool for developing and evaluating policy options and using scenarios as forecasts of where the world is headed. The scenario, or more precisely, the set of basic basic scenarios that the climate community settled on as a baseline future for projecting future climate impacts and evaluating policy option biases how we think about the climate impacts and policy responses the point is not that climate analysts should have chosen 
a more realistic future as a baseline expectation, but rather they should never have chosen a particular subset of futures for such a baseline. The desire to predict the future is perfectly understandable, and climate science scenarios were transformed from alternative visions of possible futures to subsets of predictable futures through the invention of a concept called business as usual. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change explained that basis, business as usual is synonymous with concepts such as baseline scenarios or reference scenarios or no policy scenarios. The IPCC used used of the concept of business as usual and equivalencies in the 1990s and then expected explicitly rejected it in 2000s as we turn with a vengeance in the 2010s as a reset needs to be done for 2020 according to ipcc a baseline scenario refers to the state against which change is measured and for the climate impacts and policies is based on the assumption that no mitigation policies or measures will be implemented beyond those that are already in force and are legislated or planned to adopt it so what they're saying is they're saying all their doomsday bullshit and very long article with RCPs and all this crap. What they're doing is lying. That we haven't cut fossil fuels. That we haven't made car fucking mileage better and, and implemented across the fucking board numerous emission changes and coal changes and how we do things. No. They're still thinking the best way to do this is to lie and scare the living shit out of people. But it's having the opposing effect. Just like with gender and everything else, you're going to be called a denialist, a flat earther, and all that shit. But the 12 years, was done. we're going to scare people so they can all become socialist. And we can take over all power and turn us into a fucking liberal dogma-affected country. That's all they're doing. And Every time a Thunberg, an AOC, a fucking Gore goes out on these doomsday predictions, I forward it's the worst thing that can happen to climate. This climate fucking chaos people that are trying to rebrand after going global cooling warming change. You turn people off. You don't bring them on your side. If that was the case, when I was a kid, we recycled in Oregon. It takes you fucking so much work to recycle where I live because they have just burned people out on their bullshit. Moving on. Feminists freak out over GE Appliance Launches Star Wars ad campaign. The president of Lucasfilm once posted a shirt that said, The Force is female. In an effort... Depress the idea that Star Wars films are meant to be shared with female fans. The Last Jedi director, Rian Johnson, made an effort to include strong female characters, even if it meant sacrificing purpose, storyline, likability, or even making sense. But now, some feminists on social media are seeing red about the rise of Skywalker, and not just because the ninth installment of the Skywalker saga, directed this time by J.J. Abrams, poorly returns the fan service roots of Force Awakens. But because Lucasfilm has inked a partnership with GE Appliance, using Star Wars for strong females leads to sell microwaves, ovens, refrigerators, and kitchens. The Twitter account, at Undoomed, first pointed out the weird yet hilariously irony of GE Appliance Fulfill Your Destiny campaign. Undoomed. Star Wars, the force is female. GE, fulfill your destiny with these stoves. And it shows all the characters, three female, two men, and they show GE appliances. 
Which, by the way, I have a GE stove. It's awesome. Good stove. The ovens pictured are now on special at most major kitchen appliance retailers. In fact, the ad appears often on social media, most often retweeted by local stores. GE Appliance also has a dedicated The Force of Innovation website, which demonstrates several of its top appliances, the GE Profile Fleet, alongside stills and posters of the rise of Skywalker. The GE Profile nobly joins forces with Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, to share the force of innovation. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. So here are some of the feminists. This can't be fucking real. Uh, Leah. GE didn't run this by a single woman. Because I guess saying they got men in the picture. Fortunately, the ad provides plenty of hilarious fodder for those evil, misogynistic fanboys whose toxic masculinity forced Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams to fully reconsider the masterpiece of The Last Jedi and return to the Star Wars roots for the final installment. Tyrone Jr., so perfect. Robert, laughing. The decision to jettison Star Wars-themed feminism may have been more financial than anything. The Last Jedi did well in theaters, but fans punished Disney for the less-than-stellar outing, refusing to see Solo a Star Wars story. And that's why, because you just went... It's a geek show, for fuck's sake. You can't be pushing all this bullshit on geeks. That's the one thing that you don't get points for being PC. Most of these little nutbags aren't my generation. They're my son-in-law, who's a chai soy latte motherfucker who cheats on his goddamn wife. He is into this shit. They, They may do that to get laid. I'm a feminist, but they actually don't apply the principles. AFP News Agency. The U.S. Congress voted Thursday to raise the minimum age to buy tobacco and e-cigarettes from 18 to 21 across country, a move intended to stem the rising tide of youth vaping. I just wanted to say that for a second, because remember, these are the people who want to change the voting age to 16 so they can win elections. But they can't own guns till they're 21 in their minds. They can't have cigarettes. Can't have alcohol. And they're the same people who say 12-year-olds can have abortions without parental consent. Yeah. Circular logic. We do what we want. Here's uh, Vox's Carl's Maza, a Marxist pig, who apparently... This is what he says. Carlos Maza, you have been blocked. You have been blocking a lot of my colleagues. Could you explain why to me? They have been respectful in asking why you hate billionaires. His response. So you want Twitter to be an echo chamber where everyone agrees with you. Oh my God, yes. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what I want. Who the fuck wants to publicly argue with complete strangers about politics? This site is for shitposting and flirting with your peers. So what he's doing is, if you disagree with him, you're blocked. And I would say... It made a story on some conservative site, but they missed the point that this has been what Twitter has been since I went on Twitter. Circa, when the fuck did I go on Twitter? It says, when I joined. Let me see for a second. Um, Twitter. When did I start Twittering? My profile. Hold on. 2011. Started in 2011. There is not... A single liberal journalist 
who when you argue with them, they block you. There's not a one. That's what they do. The left believes, once again, if you don't agree with them, you are subhuman. You are unintelligent, and you're not worthy to talk to them. So, I, I, don't, I covered it because it was a freaking stupid tweet, but this is literally what the left is. If they're not fucking legislating what words you can or cannot say, and all the other crazy shit we talk about during this block of, block of the podcast, they will not have a conversation. They don't want conversations. They want dogma. Being nice, a tool of white supremacy, female racial activists warn, a group promoting painful, honest conversation between white women and BIWOC, black, indigenous, and women of color, claimed Thursday that white women's obsession with being nice is a tool of white supremacy. Their tweet, white women's obsession with being nice is one of the most dangerous tools of white supremacy. As reported by Daily Wire in May, Race to Dinner leader Regina Jackson and Sarah Ciara Rowe, Rayo, whatever the fuck, created the organization to offer white women opportunity to smash their white fragility by hiring women of color to attend dinners with, with as their guilt trip for all the alleged suffering they have caused them by virtue of being white. The mission of the group is to reveal the naked truth about racism in America and unleash your power as a white woman to dismantle it. White women, we're talking about your complicity in upholding white supremacy and keeping us brown and black women down. Our goal is to reveal white privilege, power, control, and your complicity in all above. You're an integral part of the system. Please use this power to dismantle the hate rather than uphold it. Their letter, this is a letter to all white people. You cause immeasurable pain and damage to black, indigenous, and brown people. We are here to sit down with you to candidly explain how exactly you cause this pain and damage. The dinners are a starting point, a place to start thinking it through how you actively uphold white supremacy every minute of the day. What you do after you leave the dinner is up to you. Sincerely, racist motherfuckers. Rauer, one of the founders of Race to Dinner and former Democratic congressional candidate, blamed white people for making her life miserable and said that she can't stand the sign of the American flag. American flag makes me sick, she posted in a tweet. In another post, she said, White people have done everything to make my life miserable, yet I'm supposed to not hate white people. It's clearly obvious. You do hate white people. White feminism is expecting men to acknowledge their role in upholding misogyny while steadfastly refusing to acknowledge white women's role in upholding white supremacy. They sound like nice people, don't they? Another one of their tweets. Violent white people founded this country. Violent white people continue to run this country. When black, indigenous, and brown people mention this fact, we get accused of violence. Gaslighting is white people's favorite thing to do. Yeah. I think you're kind of racist. You're just a little bit racist. Maybe a lot of bit racist. And as we go out to our lighter fare... Here's BLM. I was going to do it in the Christmas section, which is behind This Is America. Just a few choice stories I picked out. But they decided to fuck with people at a mall. And once again, I say, who's the racist now? We remember that Camille Wright was 12 years old. That's right. Camille Wright was 12 years old. 
lighter fare today. Um, I thought about doing one, but most of the stuff's pretty lame. I, I just wanted to read one. This is from Vox. And we've done a lot of Vox today. I, I usually try to avoid that shit, but they, they're just all up in the social justice craziness. Solo, a Star Wars story, misses a huge opportunity to explore droids as an aggrieved class with parallels to racism and slavery. That sums up the left. I mean, droids. An aggrieved class. A fictional thing that we'll never have. Okay. Which brings us to This Is America. And This Is America, we're going to do a soundbite. Uh, well, it wasn't the worst, because Clyburn saying hang em, that, that that's probably the worst. Um, <clears throat> this is Lisa Page explaining what the insurance policy was. And this was allowed. Nobody pushed back because it's MSDNC, so it's going to be that way. And then we're going to go into a few choice liberals trying to ruin Christmas. Enjoy. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing fake liberal agenda stories. And this is America in 2019. In terms of the text messages and the allegations that have been made against you, um, you've sort of explained yourself and taught and putting these those text messages. Uh, in greater context in terms of what they meant and the way they were used against you. Um, can you explain to us tonight um, what was meant by, for example, the insurance policy text message? So this is you and Peter Strzok texting about the prospect that President Trump is going to be elected, the unlikely prospect. Right. I mean, it's an analogy. First of all, it's not my text, so I'm sort of interpreting what I believe he meant back three years ago. But we're using an analogy. We're talking about whether or not we should take certain investigative steps or not based on the likelihood that he's going to be president or not, right? You have to keep in mind, if President Trump doesn't become president, the national security risk, if there is somebody in his campaign associated with Russia, plummets. You're not so worried about what Russia's doing vis-a-vis a member of his campaign if he's not president, because you're not going to have access to classified information. You're not going to have access to sources and methods in our national security apparatus. So... The insurance policy was an analogy. It's like an insurance policy when you're 40. You don't expect to die when you're 40, yet you still have an insurance policy. So don't just hope that he's not going to be elected and therefore not press forward at the investigation hoping, but rather press forward at the investigation just in case he does get in there. Exactly. What about the text message that, uh, in which you and Strzok were talking about your uh, sort of fear that Trump would be elected and he said, no, we won't let it happen? I mean... By we, he's talking about the collective we. 
like-minded, thoughtful, sensible people who were not going to vote this person into office. You know, obviously, in retrospect, do I wish she hadn't sent it? Yes. It's been mutilated to death, and it's been used to bludgeon an institution I love, and it's meant that I've disappointed countless people. But this is a, this is a snapshot in time carrying on a conversation that had happened earlier in the day that reflected a broad sense of he's not going to be president. We, the democratic people of this country, are not going to let it happen. And in terms of the litigation of this issue, the question about whether or not this, as the president and his supporters claim, reflected some inherent political bias by you and Mr. Strzok. Bullshit. Unadulterated bullshit. And the best thing about that soundbite, that is a perfect example of how the left, the media specifically with the left, let's, we don't take the worst thing in those statements. We give people the benefit of the doubt. Yet in every other instance, when it's not on our team, a person who isn't a progressive, who isn't part of CNN, ABC, NBC, and the whole mainstream media, we assume the very worst. We say it's racist because we know what's in their heart. We say it's transphobic, homophobic, sexist, whatever, because we know in their heart that's what they really meant. For an entire presidency, everything Trump has said, you have taken the worst common value of what it could be. When he said, we need to get the people that are coming across the border, the criminals who are murderers and racists, you inferred it's all Mexicans are murderers and rapists. But Lisa Page, oh, it's just an insurance policy. Oh, it, it just means we, the collective. Who the fuck speaks like that? First and foremost, you're a member of the FBI. You're supposed to be non-political. There's not supposed to be a political bone in you because you defend everybody. The word collective makes me think and infers you're a libtard. Who the fuck says the collective? Socialists do. Fact of the matter is, if any of those texts had ever been done during Obama, she would not be on the air. She'd be in jail. That's the left. Now she gets a victory tour, a book deal. She's a hero. She's been aggrieved. Her personal honor, her, she has been condemned all over the place. The president's talked negative about him. La, la, la. How many times does Obama get up and say every cop in the world's a racist? And not know a fucking thing about it. From Trayvon Martin to Michael Brown, he was wrong. And those cops are no longer employed. They couldn't. He saw to it. Yet, even his racist attorney general had to admit there was no hands up, don't shoot. It was the lying of racists who hate white people and hate cops who were lying. Their lives weren't ruined. But when you say something wrong on Twitter or you accuse somebody of something that's from your team, oh, you see to it, media, that their lives are done. Fucking hypocrites. 
to Christmas stuff. Pro-abortion group gives out abortions are magical holiday party. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Holiday party favors. Pro-abortion group called the Texas Equal Access Fund is a rather sick message at Christmas time. On December 4th, the TE Fund posted a photo, write a vote of candles with the word abortions are magical, along with the image of unicorns. It was captioned, getting our holiday party favors ready. Every year, we honor our volunteers and make sure they get a token of appreciation at our annual annual holiday party. No, the magic of Christmas is not about abortion. In fact, it's about Jesus, which you guys need to look into. And yet another post is following day explaining why we use the language we use. Abortions are magical for most people who have had them and refuting that just increases stigma around abortion. They are health care, self-care, and community care. They also wrote abortions provide new beginnings for people trying to create a future for themselves that may have been unimaginable without their abortion. Help people prioritize their own physical and mental health. They declared they are proud to help people access abortion care and support them abortion is not magical abortion is murder lisa rose says and these people literally are fucking subhuman among other facebook posts we see the tf funds tabletop christmas tree is topped with a rainbow lgbtq flag and bears on abortion as health care ornament they also reposted a baby yoda meme that co-ops the cute creature to say it's okay to have an abortion you fucking people Need to go to fucking hell. Happy Festivus, Hollywood. I've got a lot of problems with you. And this is a pretty good one. Dear Hollywood writers, to quote Festivus founder Seinfeld's Frank Costanza, I've got a lot of problems with you, and now you're going to hear about them. Since it's December 23rd, it's time for Newsbusters to air its many grievances with television and proper Festivus spirit. Airing a grievance. Leave the kids alone. Stop having 10 and 11-year-old characters coming out. Number two, I know you thought sexual grooming of children wasn't enough to offend the audience, but did you have to toss in threesomes and thruples? Did you have to? I I don't think, I I just don't think you have to. I think it's kind of wrong. Four, also, please don't ever put period sex on television. The L word. Five, speaking of acting brainwashed, did the ideological robots in Hollywood all get talking points from the same pro-immigration lobby group at once? All the main networks this season pulled the ICE is evil and illegal immigrants are all innocent victims narratives. During the month of October, ABC's How to Get Away with Murder, CBS's NCIS New Orleans, and NBC's Sunnyside called ICE the DMV racist uncle. NBC's Superstore spent much of all fall season trying to garner sympathy for an illegal immigrant character who stole someone's identity and is still working illegally. One CBS drama even tried to make the audience feel sorry for deported violent gang members. Yeah, they did. I watched that one. We stopped watching Superstore just because of it. It's horrible. Six, and since you dear Hollywood hate all things sacred, you naturally have to make a mockery of Christmas season with South Park having Jesus and Santa snort cocaine, Netflix creating a hyper-effeminate homosexual Jesus, and the family guy turning sweet Christmas tradition of children sitting on Santa's lap into a weird sexual climax scene with a minor. Feats of Strength. A shout-out to a few shows that bucked the radical pro-abortion trend by including pro-life dialogue that takes real strength. Thank you to CBS's Bull 
ABC's The Good Doctor, CBS God Frenemy, the beautiful adoption episode God Frenemy is particularly my favorite feat of strength this season. Uh, Festivus Miracle. Both the South Park and Family Guy creators have crudely mocked Christians, but their shows also provide this fall season with a few Festivus Miracles. So all these Gen X comedy writers are vulgar blasphemers. They are not always cowardly Hollywood tools. Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane created an hilarious Family Guy episode mocking transgenderism, along with the episodes mocking feminist pieties and participation trophies. Fellow Festivus Miracle Trey Parker and Matt Stone have been the only television writers that had the guts to go after communist China influence in Hollywood and the pathetic kowtowing of NBC to Maoist overloads. They also took on transgender madness and sports, and we covered that on the show, which is pretty good. But that's the only pro you lefties are fuckheads because the rest of this shit's horrible. Liberty University wins first bowl game, gets scalded by Ringer Blog. Khan and some liberal liberty students took on university Christian identity. President Jerry Falwell's junior leadership and his friendship, blah, 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 blah. Though his father founded the Reagan-era moral majority, solidifying the alliance between evangelicals and Republican Party, Falwell Jr.'s public comments focused far more on a Trumpian brand of conservative politics than on any expression of faith. He has built the once-modded university and national brand using revenues, da-da-da, it is university founded. I shouldn't have read all that. Uh, this is a stupid article. She got the point. The ID using sports to broadcast the message of Jesus is awesome, but here, I think most of the time it comes off as broadcasting liberty instead of the message of Jesus, and he goes on to say they're pieces of shit and they want a bowl and that's fucking horrible and they were rooting for Georgia Southern. Good for you. Be a fucking piece of shit. The Volatile Mermaid brings us our next one. Wish your Christian co-workers a happy Hanukkah today. If they say I'm not Jewish, say I'm not Christian, but you jam your holiday down our throats. So to mark Christmas Eve, he she retweeted this. Teen Vogue apparently thought it would be appropriate to re-up a piece from this past August explaining how white people can hold each other accountable to stop institutional racism. Teen Vogue, please talk to your family and friends about politics, even if it's uncomfortable. Please use your privilege as a white person to protect people of color. Please ask your privilege as a white person to protect people of color, and then ask yourself if there's anything more privileged than that. So this person says, jam shit down Christian's neck, and then ruin the holidays for your family. She's sweet. Then the Washington Post published some shit that a influential Christian magazine, coming from a Christian church, said Trump has to be removed. So... One of their atheist reporters stepped in the church for Christmas service, or uh, service about Christmas. And they were disappointed that the church didn't even talk about it. Matt Woking, literally laugh out loud. Three days before Christmas, hundreds of people filled the pews at Elmbrook Church, one of the largest evangelical Christian campuses in suburban Milwaukee. Some brought gifts for friends in tow. One stage, love, peace, hope, and joy, were spelled out in life-size neon blue letters. For 20 minutes, the choir led the audience in Christmas carols. Outside the chapel, children ran circles around the church's brightly lit trees. 
lead pastor Lee Hayward, so the theme of the day's sermon would be love. There was no mention of an editorial published days before in an influential evangelical Christian magazine that had called for President Donald Trump's removal from office. So they were disappointed that they didn't go out and spend Christmas bashing Trump. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Aaron Rupar, another Vox guy. It's Christmas Eve and the president set a resort he owns and profits from watching Fox News and rage tweeting. A reply. Whereas you are probably alone, drunk and naked, and rude tweeting about Trump rage tweeting. And that was a lot of what I saw Christmas Eve from journalists. And I air quoted. But that's nothing to our finale of Jack fucking assery. I'm just going to play them all together. BBC commissions choir to sing 12 days of impeachment. Jimmy Kimmel mocked the nativity scene and Boston sports fan. And Cuomo, days before Christmas, asked Christian radio host, why, why back Trump, who makes a mockery of your faith? Don't enjoy these. Just get angry. This, this is a video of a holiday light display in Australia. And you know when your neighbor goes all out and you don't, you wind up looking like the Grinch because you didn't spend weeks. And Well, this is a good way to, to handle it. Just put up a little sign that says ditto on it. <laughs> I don't go nuts with Christmas lights myself, but I enjoy it when others do. And some people do a really nice job. This is in Diker Heights, New York. This is a big display they have there. This is in Phoenix every year in Glendale. This is almost two million lights at a thing called Glendale Glitters. And this is a charming nativity scene in Attleboro, Massachusetts, where... Merry Christmas! Go Pats! Go Pats! Oh, no, 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 no. This is... I am so... I'm going to apologize in advance. This is our... Foul-mouthed little friend from Seekonk, Massachusetts, two-year-old Tommy Brady Fitzpatrick. What's Tommy, up? what are you dressed up as there, Baby Yoda? What are <laughs> you right now? Oh, good one. Listen, is there a bigger turd in your Christmas stocking than Jimmy friggin' Kimmel? I think not. Well, Merry Christmas to you too, Tommy. What's going on there in your nativity scene? Take us through that. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh-huh. You are really? No, not really, not really. You're just jealous that I'm the Messiah. And you're not. <laughs> See this diaper? Yes. It's the shroud of your in. Oh, okay. <laughs> so take a gander at what we have here. Yes, what do we have we've there? Got, we've got the three wise men. Larry Bird. Uh-huh. Big Poppy. Uh-huh. And, of course, Tom Brady. Oh. He's the goat. Okay. And anyone who says otherwise is getting a lump of coal grabbed up. They're some to tunnel. Okay. All right? Uh, yes, we won't say otherwise. Okay, and as you can see, they're bringing me gifts. Because uh-huh. I am the savior. Oh. 
They've got a half a rack of Gansett Lager, uh-huh. some sweet Oakley shades, and a big-ass candy cane full of skull long cut. Oh, that's very festive. You've really captured the holiday spirit there, Tom. Oh, have we? Yeah. You know what? Watch your tone, you friggin' fruit roll-up. You want a piece of me? No. Let's go right now. Not is this really, lip no. pervert bothering you again? <laughs> well, what is this? There he oh, is, ma. Hi, Mrs. Fitzpatrick. Oh. Talk to me. <laughs> Don't talk to my kid either. I'm sorry. I just have one quick question for the boy. I was wondering, what is Christmas like in Boston? What do you mean, what's Christmas like in Boston? We're not from <laughs> Mars. <laughs> it's the Northeast. <laughs> I yeah, okay. okay, so here, here's what we do in our neck of the woods. What do you do? On Christmas Eve, we go to Mass. All right, that's uh, nice. The Mass Turnpike, you piece of uh, right. Calm down. <laughs> and we get off the pike, we uh-huh. head to my cousin Johnny's in Walpole. Okay. We got a Christmas train there called the Polar Express. Well, that sounds kind of charming. Yeah, we throw rocks at it. Yeah. <laughs> and then the neighbors nice. always come out. They come out Carolyn. Sweet Carolyn. Good times never felt so good. So good. So good. So good. That's enough. I don't like that part of the song. Uh, anyway, so all right, so you're caroling. Anyway, the neighbors go out Carolyn and whether gone, we break in and we steal all their They got wicked good Okay, so that's Christmas Eve. What do you do on Christmas Day? Well, on Christmas morning, right around the crack of noon, my eight brothers and I rouse Ma from her friggin' stupa. And then we open up our gifts! Wait, did you say you have eight brothers? Well, four of my sister Margaret's garbage spawn. They're awful. <laughs> but she's doing a dime for selling dust to a cop right now. What? Your sister's in jail for selling drugs to an undercover cop? Uh, he was not undercover. Oh, no. <laughs> What? Yeah, she got pulled over and she tried to make a sale. Oh, oh no. That's... <laughs> Margaret's a knuckle hump. Well, yeah, it sounds like it. It's, this all sounds terrible. It sounds like a, a terrible holiday. Terrible? You had a problem with our quaint New England holiday traditions? What is your problem? You want a piece you of me? You want a piece of Come on! Because mark my words, Kimmel, uh-huh. I will kick your ass from Nazareth to Jerusalem. All the way to Jerusalem. From Temple Mount to the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee. From the Mount of Olives to Golgotha. All right. That's Tommy Brady Fitzpatrick and his mom, Darlene. Thank you. Beautiful family. Merry Christmas to you. I am Jimmy Kimmel. Give back this holiday season by my new book, The Serious Goose. I wrote it and illustrated it. All the money I make goes to children's hospitals across the country. So, um, you know what to do. Right. Do you think that, that Catholics could ever vote for a pro-abortion candidate? Would they be violating their faith? I say no. You say no. Because Why? Because they live in a secular society and the law respects the choice of people to have reproductive rights. But, but so okay, that is you your just society. call it reproductive rights, which is also yeah. sophistry. We're talking well, about taking because in, to a be human true, life Eric, in the womb. To be accurate, you are anti-choice. You think people should no, 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 not no, no, have a choice of what no. to do with their body. I'm anti-murdering the unborn. The unborn in America are now a marginalized group, and we legally say, we say it's legal now. As soon as they are identified as people, as soon as that line, eight months, now, you really want eight to make months a along. No, not eight, eight months, months along. By the way, Nowhere. You're, you happen to be related to somebody who took a Nowhere. stand on this about a year ago. Nowhere in the along. law. All New York State did was codify Roe v. Wade. That's sophistry. That is taking a point and twisting it to upset people of faith. Why do that? Because it's true.
But it's wrong. I just told you it's, it's wrong. It's not wrong. I'll yeah, bet you all dinner over anywhere Europe, you want. No, no, all, forget about Europe. I'll bet you anything you want anywhere you want. All over that Europe. All New York did was codify Roe v. Wade. Why lie about after it? After 12 weeks in the womb, we're not going to kill that because we believe it's a human being. In America, the when we say 20 weeks or 24 weeks, people freak out and they say, no, 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 no. We want to be able to take the life you of the child. You have a viability test. We went through this. Here's what you're Did your we argument. go through this? Who went that's, through that's this? That's Roe v. Wade. What well, you, you should you do and I, is, this is what people of faith should do. Instead of weaponizing and distorting the truth, here's what you should push for. Tell me. We need to have more scientific research about when life begins. There's too much of a range. Different religions feel different ways about it, have their own equations. Why don't we have people you, decide you what the standard should be? a old fetus? I'm not a scientist. You know, I know that, what the law is. That is like when Obama said, you know, that's beyond my pay grade. Most people call here's, it a baby. I get an ultrasound. Saying. My wife and I go to get an ultrasound. We see the baby four months along. We go, that's our you baby. You have a choice that's our daughter. of a lot of candidates who believe what you believe in when it comes to reproductive rights. Right. Why get behind a man who makes a mockery of your faith? I certainly don't think. Most people that I know do not think he makes a mockery of our faith. And then we have two prints, New York Times and Salon. That once again, got a shit on Christmas. Salon's Marcotte, Merry Christmas, is conservative code for fuck you. Oh, really? Most conservatives and liberal enjoy Christmas enough just to have a good time, though every once in a while you get a Scrooge who refuses to fathom the reason of the season and badmouths the holidays and those who celebrate it. Salon's politics writer, Amanda Marcotte, doubled down on her hatred for Christmas by calling those who celebrate it hypocrites who mean fuck you when they say Merry Christmas. You knew we had to have one. Last year was don't say it because you're insulting me and I'm Jewish and I'm supposed to fucking know that somehow. In November, Marcotte penned a prior piece for Salon that slammed Christmas and its Christian observers, particularly because Donald Trump is loved by many of them and basically he has ruined everything. Get a little of the title, How Donald Trump Stole Christmas. Talked about the man's living rent-free in Lefty Journal's head. She wrote, he ruins everything he touches and Christmas for me is no exception. Of course, Christmas was never a big deal for anyway. After all, she said to herself, it was never a holiday of great importance to me. I never put up a Christmas tree, for instance. But when it comes to slamming Christians and Trump, Marco perspective of the holiday matters. On December 23rd, Marcotte followed her anti-Christmas tirade with another piece that doubled down on her attacks on Christians and Christmas in light of an evangelical outlet's Christianity Today called for Trump's impeachment. In the subsequent article, Marcotte asserted that through a 177 Christmas leader, Christian leader oppose. I'm sorry, 177 Christian leaders oppose Christianity Today's judgment. These Trump-supporting Christians are not people motivated by sincere faith, but by people who see Christians primarily as an identity marker that accomplishes being white. Oh, the race thing. And you know this how? Why do liberals who are atheists even talk about Christians? I mean, Christianity doesn't exist. It's made up, right? Kind of like your transgenderism. Marcotte claimed that these conservative celebrations of Christmas is just part of race. It's a political identity used against people they don't see as part of their tribe. Stirred by years of Fox News lying to viewers, conservatives increasingly embrace the phrase Merry Christmas to mean basically fuck you to anyone they deem less than legitimate Americans. Of course, Marcotte played the victim even though she was the one who bashed the holidays she loathed and the people who celebrate it. 
She lamented that people flooded her inbox following the piece, writing the principal harassment strategy was to track me down on social media, even on my Instagram feed, and flood it with Merry Christmas message from white male strangers to taunt me for my personal grief. About a week ago, Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch was blasted by Twitter's lefties for wishing Fox News a Merry Christmas. The left called it talking point in the GOP. But sure, these Christians, they are the aggressive wackos. Marcotte added, is that the behavior of people who have genuine faith that Jesus' message of mercy and kindness, or the behavior of people who use Christianity as an instrument of domination of others they see as inferior? Then we have Nicholas Kristoff, which is what this is all about. Tis the season for redefining Christianity. Kristoff continues peculiar tradition of devoting columns approaching religious holidays to asking various religious figures if one really had to believe in the virgin birth of the resurrection to be considered a Christian. The latest entry came Sunday, three days before Christmas. He spoke to evangelical author Philip Nancy, or Yancey, excuse me, for was Mary a virgin? Does it matter? The opening exchange. Christoph, Merry Christmas, and let me start by asking about the first Christmas. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Doesn't that seem like one of those tall tales that people tell to exaggerate an event's significance? I'm smiling at the question, Yancey says. A hundred years ago, the virgin birth was considered so important that it made the list of five fundamentals fundamentals of the Christian faith. Nowadays, with its vitro fertilization, virgin births are old news. For me, the issue centers not on the mechanics of reproduction, but rather the nature of Jesus in the carnation. Incarnation, God's own self came to earth as human. I wouldn't pretend to guess how divinity interacted with human DNA, but that's the mystery the virgin birth hints at. That gentle pushback characterized Yancey's tone and content throughout the interview. Some of Christoph's questions Yancey follow. So it's no longer such a big deal. I can say that I doubt the virgin birth without whispering. One of the problems I have with the evangelical church is that it seems more dazzled by the miracles than the message. Particularly in the age of Trump, conservative pastors weaponize God to support a president who is trying to cut Medicaid and school lunches for the poor. Shouldn't conservative Christians believe as much in the good Samaritan as the virgin birth? Do you think religious result in better people? I've seen many people of faith risk their lives for others, but conveniently, it was conservative Christians who helped delay any effective response to AIDS. Only one question challenged liberal conventional wisdom about conservative Christians. What frustrates you about secular liberals or even mainline Christians? What do they not get about evangelical Christianity? Christoph concluded with his usual theological incoherence. I've asked this question of each of the previous people in these Q&As. What is someone like myself who deeply admires Jesus' teaching but is skeptical of a virgin birth of the miracles, and of a physical resurrection. Am I a Christian? The headlines below show how long Christoph has been pleading his strange theological case with the varying degrees of success depending on the inoctator. Easter 2019. Reverend, the virgin birth is a bizarre claim. 2018 Christmas. Professor, was Jesus really bored to a virgin? 2017 Christmas. Cardinal Tobin, Am I a Christian? 2017 Easter, President Carter, am I a Christian? Christmas 2016, am I a Christian? Pastor Timothy Keller. Once again, 
if you don't believe in religion, why is it so important for the left to change it? To use biblical scripture to try to push their warped morals. Why? You don't believe. You believe it's all bullshit. And all the while, as Christians in America are demeaned, ran off social media, one more than a thousand Christians have been killed in Nigeria just this year alone. And our media ignores it. Just like they did during Rwanda. Just like they did at every place. Iraq. Iran. Biblically it says you will be persecuted for being a Christian. But at the end of the day, why is it so important? If it's not political, if it's not to try to attain power over people, why must the left continually attack Christians? And why is the first thing out of their mouth when you don't buy their latest social justice craziness, you fucking Christians? That's what they say. Whether you say anything about Christian Christianity or not. I have never argued against marriage, abortion, or anything with religion. Ever. But every time I've argued that with a liberal, the first thing they go to, fuck your religion. Yet I have atheist kids. They celebrate Christmas. I mean, my theory is, if if you are so against religion, and even though Christmas is pretty secular and commercial and all that, why would you even celebrate it? Why would you put up a Christmas tree? Why would you do any of that shit? You hate the religion. You hate the people and their morals because they don't align with yours. I can honestly say without any reservation, I have met very few Christians who talk down, besmirch, or say anything to liberals. They don't. And I've met very few Christians who don't wish for positive things for people or try to help people, regardless of they're gay, they had an abortion. I've never seen it. Yes, there are Baptists and Bible thumpers who, who do fire and brimstone, but that is a small slice. And you tell me the small slice of Muslims chopping off fucking heads, killing other Muslims, and blowing shit up, is just an anomaly in Islam. That's what you say. But yet you blanket any Christian who's done anything wrong on all Christians. And that's what you are. You're just fucking hypocrites. If, if I should have kept a section, it should have been hypocrisy. Because everything we talk about on this podcast in regards to college, fucking gay shit, fucking liberal shit, racism, bashing religion, you fucking progressives, you and the fucking media who are also progressives, 
are just a huge pile of hypocrites. You will pretzel yourself to defend anything Islam does that's bad, or anything abortion is bad, anything. But you will look for the worst in anybody who's not you. You will know their heart, you will know their soul, you will mince words that they say to be the most negative connotation you can pull out of them, all to ruin people's lives and to get people elected that you hope will take this country in a direction it will never go. Yes, we are more liberal. Yes, more people don't go to church. Yes, the young people do less abortions now. Polls show most of the pro-life movement is more young than it's ever been. You're going so far extreme that you're turning kids the other way. Even though you don't think you are, you are. And the more kids you brainwash with all this crazy shit, eventually it's not going to be cool. I woke up today and I'm a girl. That's not going to be cool. That fad's going to wear out. I mean, it it already is because 80% of the fucking people that jump on that bandwagon go back to their regular sex. You just don't want to admit it. But I I have to end the show on the Christmas stuff because I just, once again, if you don't believe in God, you, you think the holiday is fucking stupid, why do you spend so much time bashing it? Why do you spend so much time, well, we got to push politics to the dinner table, we got to do this, we got to do that. Why do you even attend dinner? Just fucking stay home. Go on Twitter and get people blocked for saying the wrong pronoun, all right? Or suspended or deplatformed. I mean, that's what you should be doing. But you spend every waking moment trying to shit on it in the press. I, I just don't fucking get it. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments to FOPPODCAST at gmail.com. FOPPodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Static, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. Make sure you check out the Facebook page of FOP Podcast and the Twitter account is FOP Tony Reed. Our next show, as stated, will be the 31st of December, the last day of 2019. We'll do our year in review, and then we'll step on into 2020 and try to get a podcast off by Friday the 3rd? Is that right? Yeah, the 3rd. Friday the 3rd. I hope you enjoy the rest of your holiday season. Make sure, you know, I I saw Joe Gatto from Impractical Jokers, and he said, I stayed, I had a great holiday, I stayed out of my phone, and I was present. And I liked it and replied that you can't be present if you have your device. And I hope, I say it every podcast, I know it's annoying, I hope for the rest of this time, if you have family in town or whatever, or even on the 31st when you're out partying or doing whatever you do at the house, I know I'll be in bed probably before 8 and be asleep before 9. I don't really stay up for it anymore. Be present. Disconnect from your devices. 
take stock in the year you had. It's not as bad as the media made it out. We're all still here. Trump didn't blow the world up. And climate change did not melt down your fucking house. You're good to go. And uh, be with your family. And then tune in Tuesday for another exciting episode, our year in review. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. I'm the sun.